So the NRL Supercoach All-Stars podcast. This is Barnsley back again for the buy round. Finally here, round 13. Team lists have thrown up a couple little spanners and hopefully everyone's been playing origin time now too, which is great. And this week on the podcast, to join me to chat about it all is Luke Garrity from the Rugby League Cemetery podcast and also resident occasional Supercoach All-Stars jump on to help me out and have a chat about footy. So thanks for coming on tonight, mate. It's a, it's a good week to chat footy. Yeah, it is, mate. It is. Thanks for having me back. Uh, several thousand ranks below where I was last time I was on. I was thinking I could hold out till I got myself back up there, but uh, no, it's not. It doesn't look like it's going to happen. I'd have to wait till next year. You know, so <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm feeling pretty good about that, considering how well you went. Well, you're four points in front, so let's not go crowing too early. We'll wait a few weeks and talk about it again. <laughs> uh, a win's a win for this week. That's all right. Um, so. Obviously, Origin's been named as well. So, I mean, first up, how do you how do you feel about the teams and stuff? I was I thought they were pretty pretty much what I thought they were going to be. Jack White was probably the only real one on the New South Wales team that I wasn't sure about. I, I made the comment that I definitely wouldn't pick him at six. There's no chance I was going to do that. I didn't think that he earned it or was in form or should have been there. Um, but in saying that, uh, I think that they did the right thing putting Luai there. But I understand from what Freddie said why they put him at 14. And I actually, as, as silly as it might sound to some people, I hated him as being picked at six. I thought he had to be left right out. But I don't mind him as a 14 because he can probably play everywhere and he's big enough and got a bit of mongrel to go into sort of the back the back of the forwards and just wreak havoc there a little bit. So that was probably the only surprise for me. I think everything else is pretty stock standard. But what did you make of the teams? Yeah, I thought they were pretty good. New South Wales makes sense to me. I'm not keen on Tarek Sims being there, but... I understand in a vacuum why he is. They've got a lot of edge back rowers out and they need, like, Luai likes to play with a hard line back rower, like someone who runs a hard line off his shoulder. Um, and they've run out of options of guys who might do that. He likes a big, mean guy to run hard and, and on a line and Sims will do that. And they sort of had every other guy that they could conceivably pick is unavailable. So they get that. I get the Whiten thing. I don't mind him on the bench because he does, like you said, he covers positions. If they started getting you know, a couple of HIAs, but not enough to get the 18th meaning. You can stick him on in the forwards. If you're actually short, there's no reason he couldn't go on an edge or, or lock or something. If you actually started to get guys go down and all that sort of stuff, he's played fullback in the NRL. He's played centers in origin. Um, makes, makes sense to me. Lou, I had to get picked and I sort of always wonder, I, I, I thought they would have gone with Walker or something on the bench once Pappenhausen was out, but I never love that. I don't see the, I, I don't understand how a lot of the time you get, if you start Walker or Luai and have the other one on the bench, I don't understand how you get them in the game and how they can have an impact if nothing does go wrong. Whereas White and I sort of understand how he could still do something for us and still come into the game. So yeah, I'm pretty happy with that. Queensland's pretty self-explanatory as well. I would have thought with the guys they had out all pretty much makes sense. I'm, I'm a little bit surprised they picked Ponga. Um, not because I don't think he's the best fullback in Queensland. It's just he missed the first five, four or five weeks with a shoulder, played three games, and has been out for three with a groin. That was a pretty big call to take him over Brimson. Um, I thought he might be on the bench, but, um, you know, he might be ruled out yet. We'll see. But I thought that I reckon that people aren't quite estimating how big of a call that is with his fitness because he's barely played any football. Well, they've actually said tonight that he's a high chance of being ruled out. Yeah, I, I think just, he will. He's a couple yeah. of hours ago. Yeah. yeah. It, it looks like that he will be. I mean, I think that it was more 
um, they weren't going to risk him at all. So, mm. and I think that they've shown that hand already by saying that he's likely going to get ruled out because they don't think he'll be fit by tomorrow for the fitness test and stuff that he's going to have to do. So, you yeah, think I, if you're doing that, it becomes a big call to have not put the confidence in Brimson, though. Like, if you're ruling him out two days after the team's picked, wouldn't it have been better to, like, have just picked Brimson so he didn't think he was, like, the second in line? <laughs> I know it sounds a bit funny, but, like, Frizzell, for example, for the Knights, got to full-time, was limping already called and ruled him out, picked Sims, rather than having Sims floating around knowing he wasn't the first choice. I don't know, it just seems funny, doesn't it, to be like, we'll take a guy into camp for two days who we know can't play, and we're just pretty much showing that we don't really want Brimson to play there, we want Ponga. Well, I think that they were hoping that he possibly could play, but what I would say to that is, I think that what you're saying makes sense if it's like Tarek Tarek Sims and, you know, some of these other guys, or if it's, you know... Uh, David Clemmy, you, you, you're putting a prop and you're ruling him out to put in Junior Paulo or something. But when you're talking about Caelan Ponga, like, yeah, he's, yeah. he's like one of the best players in the league to me. So yeah. those sort of guys, I don't want to say that like for Queensland, he's on like a Billy Slater, JT level type of thing from the generations past. But I think you just pick those guys. Yeah, and I kind of think, I yeah. kind of think too, with a young guy like Brimson, like he would expect Ponga to be ahead of him. So it wouldn't really matter. Whereas like if you picked, well, I don't know. Philip Sammy ahead of him or something <laughs> stupid and then said, yeah. oh, mate, Philip's, Phil's hurt, you know, come on in, come on in, Brimson, you can take them to one jersey. I think that would probably play on his mind a little bit, but... Yeah, mine too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's probably fair enough. That, make, that makes sense. It's, um, I mean, it's just a, a funny one because Ponga played two games a couple of years ago, hasn't played since, and then he sort of walked in. But, you know, I, I absolutely would have had him if he was fit. So I don't think the team's overly surprising, um, other than maybe Reed Marnie. That's the one I, I thought that with Grant barely playing any footy and Grant having job shared with with friend really well last year, I I thought that they would stick with that model. I would have thought they saw that worked and they would have said Marnie starts in the friend role and Grant comes on, um, particularly with Grant having been injured. That just seemed to make sense to me. Well, they meant to say, the, the favourite now is Valentine Holmes to actually go at one, and Brimson actually becomes the bench utility, which is interesting. Ah, uh, okay, okay, yeah. Well, that's yeah. I don't, I don't like that to be honest with you. I don't see how Brimson can be of much use without an injury on the bench. Um, and yeah, again, I just thought with Grant not having played, like Grant's got a hamstring too. They are notorious for going. He's a running player. We all know you can do hamstrings again. You see it all the time. People come back and doing them. Um, he's also been out for weeks with his knees and stuff, and it just worked last year. Like, they played him with friend last year, and it worked really well. So, um, bit surprised they didn't stick with that. Yeah, and I mean, they don't really have guys that can easily go in. Like, I mean, if you if you had Ben Hunt in the halves, you could say, oh, Ben Hunt's played heaps of hooker, so you just move him from the halves into hooker. Even for the Blues, like, on the surface, it might look like with White and at 14, oh, well, what happens if the hooker goes down in Damien? You know, that's happened before, and Cam Murray's filled in before. You know, they've, they've actually got guys that have done it. So I agree with you there for sure. Probably the other thing with the Queensland side that I wasn't too sure about, but, you know, it, some of the forwards that are getting picked, and I think all the Queenslanders like like to crow about it and say, no, nah, no, they're, they're, you know, they're Queensland players, it doesn't matter. But, you know, guys like Jaden Sewer mm. from reserve grade, um, Joe Offenhengawi has had a good season, um, but we've sort of seen mm. this before from him for four or five, and he just hasn't been up to scratch. So I, I don't really love that. And if uh, Kafuzi got off tonight, which I think that they really, really needed, like I think that they really needed that. But to your point with, with guys like Brimson and Cody Walker, I think that that was, I, I really, really would have agreed with it wholeheartedly probably five years ago. 
um, more so. I kind mm. of agree with it now, but just not as much, because I think that now with how the HIAs have come into the game, you can it's a very high likelihood that you're going to need one of those backs to be replaced. Whereas before you could sort of go, well, look, I'm unlikely to. So, you know, the 10% chance that I might need to, I'm happy to sort of cop a guy that might not be as good. So I'll carry a back row or something like a Wade Graham to do it or whatever. And that's fine. I'll just cop it if it happens. It's unlikely. Whereas now I think you actually plan for, shit, it's actually pretty likely that I'm going to lose a full back or one of my halves to a 15-minute HIA, and what am I going to do there? I'd rather have a specialist to sort of go in, even if I don't give them game time, just to be there just in case. Yeah, that's that's probably true. I just think that I on which player I'd like to risk, I'd rather miss a back and put like sewer or a back rower there than miss a hooker or something. Like they don't seem to have, like we've got Whiten who covers the halves and Murray covers hooker indirectly. And even if Murray went down, like and Cook went down, Luai could probably switch there and have Whiten go in the halves. And I look at Queensland and I'm like, Brimson covers an injury to the outside back. But if there's one position I'd like to try and cover with no cover, it's the outside back because you can just sort of put forward at centre. And, like, I agree with you, but without hooker cover, I don't know. It just seems like they've got no hooker or halves coverage. So I know Brimson could go to six, maybe, but... You've got yeah, to, you've got to so, think about know. that, too. And, I mean, I think that's why Whiten works so yeah. well with us. And, to be honest, like, it's also probably yeah. why we could we could have put Cody Walker there, because you've got other guys there. And I do think, you know, people have a go at Fitler about some things, and some of it might be fair enough, whatever. Everyone's got their pros and cons. But one thing that I think that Fitler does do in the background is he does think about those things. You know, he would have thought about the fact that someone yep. like Cameron Murray can, can play hooker and can fill in there. He would have thought that all through and, and sort of seen it covered. Whereas someone like Paul Green, I'm not the biggest fan of Paul Green, to be perfectly honest. Um, nothing personal, but just as a coach, I, like I, don't, I don't think he's fantastic. So I'm interested to see how he goes. Very similar to Kevin Walters, actually, how I felt about him getting the job before. But, I'm not sure, you know, you get some of these coaches who kind of pick teams and blueprints based on what they're supposed to do. So you're kind of supposed to have that that game breaker back on the bench. And, you know, Caitlin Ponga did a good job of it before. So, you know, Brimson's that electrifying sort of, you know, 14 that we could kind of have. And, you know, whereas Mahoney isn't that type of flashy game breaker X Factor guy. But, you know, like, from what you said as well, I agree. Mahoney probably works better for them because I think that it actually covers them better than what putting a brimson there does. But maybe he's just sticking to that blueprint and just being boring and just going along the lines of this is sort of how you have to build your team. Yeah, that's true. It's true. Yeah, so I, I, I would just, I, even if it wasn't Mahoney, I assumed it would be Hunt or Mahoney. Yeah, yeah. I've just, I've just realised I mispronounced it the whole time and someone's going to blow up at me. So, Marty, sorry, sorry, Reid, sorry. Yeah, me too. I always read it wrong. Um, I always say it wrong. But it, I, I could have copped him starting in green on the bench, but I also could have copped uh, Hunt, because Hunt covers everything in the halves and hook. Like, it almost is just, in the HIA era, Hunt's like just a gold ticket. So, yeah, I, I am surprised with that. But overall, no, not really. I think that the, the teams make sense with the guys that are out, and it'd be interesting. Um, you know, it should be a real Queensland are a little bit better, stronger than they were last year, and New South Wales should have won last year, so hopefully they win this year. Yeah, I kind of I've got a feeling that we take the the first game and then then we get copper loss at Suncorp and then it comes back to Sydney for the decider. I sort of got a feeling on it sort of going one one and then back to Sydney for the decider, which hopefully will be the case because the first two games in Queensland is a massive advantage. 
It's ridiculous. <laughs> well, it's I mean, really, I was looking ridiculous. at the stats too, you know, like Queensland, there's been, and not to sound like, you know, I'm a biased New South Welshman, but, you know, the fact is that Queensland have had 56 games played in Queensland to New South Wales is 48. And mm. now we have, are coming off a year where we're not actually the defending champions either. Mm. And Queensland get another two two out of three played in their state. So it is a big advantage. And like some, a few people... The first two, like they could win the series before they have to play anywhere else. It's, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, how bad is that for the NRL to, to like try and G up a Sydney crowd and be like, let's let's sell out Stadium Australia everywhere and get down there for the dead rubber. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, I don't really understand it, but I assume it was just money. So good on them. They probably need to make some after last year, but we'll beat them anyway. Yeah, I'm I'm com- I'm quietly confident. I've already told Wilfred. I've seen that you've told him too, so that's good. We can both hammer him <laughs> for a little while. Um, look, let's that's a nice chat about Origin. Let's talk about the buys though, and what we're doing on this podcast. So, this po- podcast is going to be a buy special podcast. Everyone, we're going to be hammering the buy, only talking about that, uh, and it's going to be looking at the best buy players that you can look at for each of the positions, and we're going to break all that down. Obviously, you've only got two guys to trade in. So you're not going to be able to get them all, but we've spoken about a lot of these guys on the All-Stars podcast before, so you should have been planning well in advance. We're going to talk about some of the top guys in each position and go from there. Also going to go through, obviously, all the games and do a quick review and talk about the captaincy and vice-captaincy options that we're going to look at as well. Before we do all that, we will do a quick strategy talk as well, though, on sort of what me and Luke are going to be looking for in this buy round, what we're going to prioritise and a few other questions that have kind of come up. But it's going to be a buy spectacular, this podcast. A lot of fun, good time of year. And before we get into it, we're going to mention our great partner, Top Sport. So Top Sport is 100% Australian-owned bookmaker. They're an important partner of the All-Stars podcast. Love working with them. They often have some of the best odds in market. And if you like a punt, they're the ones to go to. So whether it's NRL or you like the other sports, they've got it all. Top Sport promo code for those that ask SC All-Stars. If they know that you're one of our listeners, then they can take good care of you when you sign up and get a new account going. Believe me, I've found some of the best odds on there. We'll talk about them again when we go through the games a little bit later in the podcast. Let's get on with the buy planning. So Luke, first things first, mate, we're going to talk about buy strategy. And with the buy strategy for this week, it's very much about some questions that are kind of come up, but also a few things that I think a few coaches find a little bit difficult. And the first one is, you know, obviously, over this, this is the start of the buy period where we've got the state of origin that we've just spoken about as well. And you're going to have a, a lot of guys out in your side that are your guns that are going to be on origin duty. And the question is always every year, but which guys do you actually hold and which guys do you sell? Should you be holding all your guns? Um, how do you actually have a look at it? And particularly with guys like Nathan Cleary, you know, Cleary is well over a million dollars now. Um, and then guys like Turbo are very expensive as well. But if you've got a Turbo-Teddy combo, you might be in a position now where you're going to get to round 14 and neither of them play. So you, you don't want to be stuck in that situation post this round 13 buy where you've got them both sitting out this week and then they both don't play. So it's really important to look at the draw. Um, so I think probably the first thing that I look at, Luke, is... When, when the guys in round 14 are going to be backing up from Origin. And one of the scariest parts of it is that the very first game on Friday night at 6pm is Manly versus the Cowboys in round 14. So that means that Turbo will be expected to play less than 48 hours 
after he's kicked off an Origin game. It's, it seems impossible that it can happen. But then the following game is the Sharks versus the Panthers. So, again, Cleary's looking at on the dot 48 hours after Origin kickoff, having to play for Penrith against the Sharks on a Friday night. Not going to happen either. There's no way that they're going to risk either of those guys. So, I mean, I know that you brought this up initially a couple of weeks ago, uh, and I sort of actually said, look, I'm not trading Cleary. Uh, I think that I'm going to miss out on too much. I'm too worried about not having him in my side on the whole Cleary sort of train. But when I actually had a look at the draw and I saw when they played, I was like, shit, the next two weeks, you know, you're probably not going to have Turbo or Cleary in your side. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's uh, not to slip, flip my own position. So I start on Cleary. I was really keen on selling him about two weeks ago when I looked at where he was going to get, and particularly after he played last week and went massive. Big caveat to that is I looked at that and eyed up that million dollars and thought, you know, how much money? We all know the stories of people who did it with Gareth Widdop a couple of years ago when he went flying on a run of hundreds. They sold him at a massive profit and, and yep. you really use that to fund. And I saw this as a really similar move where um, Cleary, I think if he plays, he's going to start getting rested when they get in front, which they are going to do because they're very good. Um, you know, they should get in front of the Sharks. Uh, the next two games, you know, it's hard to see him getting rested much against Sydney and, and Parramatta, but um, the Sharks, he'll either not play or he'll get rested when they get in front. But what's really flipped the script for me there is is Nico Hines is that to sort of go off topic is you're almost, if you got on Nico Hines a week or two ago, you're now going to have Nico Hines over 900 with Pat coming back. So the cash element there, I think you can actually sell Nico Hines sort of next week or the week after instead of doing the Cleary trade. And it becomes literally more about whether you think he's going to play and whether you can cover the position than it does about all the cash freed up. Because if you, because I mean, once Pappenhausen's back, you're going to have to trade Nico Hines, especially with Munster coming back too. I would rather trade Nico Hines at over 900 than Nathan Cleary at over a million, because um, Cleary has to be brought back. I think that's flipped the script, honestly, a little bit in a weird way. Is just having someone else make that much cash if you're on him. But if you're not on him, I would still have a real look at selling Cleary because I don't think he'll play the whole game against the Sharks unless it's close. He may back up a lot of. Origin players tell you it's easy to back up straight afterwards. But, yeah, after that, then you've got the Roosters and Parramatta. The two, they should be two of the tougher games, albeit that Melbourne have licked Sydney once this year and Parrot just got absolutely hammered by Manly the other week. So maybe Cleary does them in. But if you're going to do it, look, this is the time. Well, the other other thing with that as well is that the thing that made it slightly more, more easy for me to consider is that, that score on the weekend. So he downdated from 80 to 54. Now, having that 54 in there, all of a sudden he's now got a rolling of 190, 54, and whatever he scores in that Sharks game, and then he's going to... So he's got 156 BE. Now, if he plays... If he doesn't play that Sharks game at all, you're going to you know miss out on two games in a row with a million bucks plus sitting on the bench. But then, like you said, he comes into that Roosters game, and if he throws up like an 80... You know, all of a sudden, he's going to start plummeting cash as well. Uh, and then Parramatta the next week, you know, again, he could throw up a good score of an 80. But, you know, a 54, 80, 80, that's going to have him drop a mass amount of cash. Um, and then he's obviously got the buy. And then round 18, it's just plum again for the, the Panthers matchups and a good time to buy him back as well. So I think the fact that he had that bad score rolling in and he's now going to guarantee to start dropping bulk cash more than likely um, probably helps with it too but do you do you agree with me like I know that you said that 
players will say that it's easier to back up, you know, a couple of days later rather than five days later. But I don't think coaches agree with that, you know. I mean, do you do you think that they'll risk it and not just play him 48 hours after he's played Origin? Well, I can't say why because they've won, they've won every game this season. So, I mean, why? Like, why? Like, why? I, that, I don't think there's any need to. And unfortunately, you'll probably have a better guide after his team plays this week, which is a bit late for you. But, you know, if they win this week, I would almost say I wouldn't play him or Luai next week. And if they if they were to lose, maybe you might play one of them. And maybe that would be Cleary because he's um, tougher and, and bigger built. But he's also more involved in the game and probably more important. Like, you'd rather have Luai go down injured than, than Cleary. So I guess... Or if you're looking at asset-wise, you'd be protecting him. So, uh, look, I'm not sure. I, I just think I, if you don't have Nico Hines, I would do it. But in the halfback position, I'm now of the view that because you can make big money through Hines in a week or two and don't really need to make all that cash off Cleary potentially, I'm not sure that the, the, the trade is good enough there. That's probably my concern if you don't need the cash. If you don't need the cash with Cleary... Who are you putting there at halfback that makes this that good? Yeah, look, we'll, we'll get to the halfback options because it's a very, very good question yeah. and we're going to dissect those. Um, what I would probably say, though, with Hines is that now that it's come out that Craig Bellamy's saying that Pappenhausen might not return to around 15 or 16, you know, if, if Papp doesn't come back to a 16, you're not selling Hines any earlier and then all of a sudden you've you sort of got another month with him where you can't sell him mm. and you're probably going to be scrounging. I do think that the, if... if Pat does come back within a couple of weeks, um, or even next week, it does present you a really interesting option to use all that cash, because I'm looking at my side going, I've actually got these guys that I was sort of hoping would go well as cheapies that really haven't, and I just need to clear out some dead wood, but I don't know how I'm going to manage to do that. And if I had the money from Cleary and Hines, I would basically be over a three-week period clearing out half a dozen shit players and getting mm. guns and a couple of mid, mid, mid-range guys, maybe, you know, like it, it just like, gives you that opportunity. Like I've got Bloor in my side. I can't believe that he can't get any more minutes, but I'm just, I, I've got to get rid of him. We, we've all got Ryan James sitting there just stinking it up, just going, we've got to get rid of this bloke, you know, but you've got to find the money to do it. So it's really hard. And someone like Cleary and Hines combined in the next month, that cash lets you get rid of all those guys. Yep, that's fair enough. It's I would consider it. I personally was on it and then back off it because I'm going to use Hines. And even if I have to go early on Hines, I'll do it because I don't see that he is going to keep scoring 150 every week. So when he's over 900, I'm taking him. But I understand why someone wouldn't and will hold a bit longer. Look, both is definitely an option. Again, just depending on how much you need those sort of moves and how much you need to do it. But I, I wouldn't just write it off out of hand for sure. Over a million dollars is so expensive and you're going to get him back cheaper. It just comes back again to probably how much other stuff you've done. So if you've traded out David Fafita and need to get him back, which I have, it, you start to sell yourself short of trades. If you start going out goes Cleary, out goes Fafita, out goes Travoyevic or whatever it is, and then you're getting them all back. I'd just be mindful of how many. You can make an argument for a lot of these guys. Just be careful how many you use. You have to pick your ones. Yeah, and look, definitely we've said plenty of times that the guys that you want to prioritise are the guys that can go massive. Cleary can go massive. So he's one of those guys that you want to make sure that you have. Mm. So I don't want to sound like um, I've been saying that I'm a massive supporter of trade Cleary. I'm not. I'm just looking at the options, and I actually think that it is an option to do it 
and not crazy, whereas probably a few weeks ago I would have thought it was crazy. But the fact that he's now had the lowest score in there and the fact that you now can pretty much lock in he's not going to play for the next two weeks. I don't think there's any way he's going to back up two days later against the Sharks. And then he's got the Roosters and Parramatta, both two harder games, and then another bye. So I think the next five weeks really doesn't look good for Cleary. You're only going to get three games out of it. Or sorry, you're only going to get like two games out of the next five weeks. And they're good teams. That Admittedly, Penrith still could put points on them because they're putting points on everyone. But they're, yep. they're not gimme games where you expect them to waltz them. And if we're going to talk, like just to transition into Travojevic off that, if you're going to make one of those moves, Travojevic is absolutely no hope in hell of backing up with that hamstring because that hamstring is worth the entirety of the Manly Beach at the moment. Like, that hamstring is the most valuable thing on the peninsula and they cannot afford... There's Anyone who's looked into a hamstring at any point knows that you injure them when you're tired and they're susceptible to their sore when, when you saw At halftime at the moment, he is doing exercises and running to keep them warm in the change room at halftime in games. He is, like, coming off with 10 minutes to go whenever they're in front. He is not backing up straight afterwards. No way in the world. But... If you go look at his draw, he might not play via the Cowboys, but if you sell him with a big BE and at 925K, which sounds good, he then has the Gold Coast and the Bulldogs play St. George after the buy, which he'll probably miss, then goes Tiger Sharks. So after his games after the two that he'll miss are the Bulldogs, um, sorry, uh, the Gold Coast and the Bulldogs. If we assume he misses Canberra for, for Origin, he'll, he'll then miss St. George and go West Tiger Sharks. So... The games, if you look at after Origin 1 and 3, he roped into pretty much bottom bottom eight sides and a couple of bottom sort of six sides after all the back after all the games of Origin 1 and 3. Yeah, and that's what makes it hard for Turbo because he's actually got the good draw there, but he's also definitely going to be sitting. So it's a yep. real conundrum with him. And he's also someone that just dropped a low score last round, so he's going to drop some mm. cash now too. Um, I think that it... It, with Turbo as well, it depends on the other options. Uh, and we're going to talk about the fullback options, obviously, so I'm loath to go into them too much. But uh, someone like Clint Gutherson that we are going to talk about, he's also got a good draw. So he mm. plays he plays the Tigers and the Bulldogs in round 14 and 15. And he's obviously going to save you 300k in the bank that you can use somewhere else. So I think that those are the sort of things that you can think about. Um, I mean, for me, I, I think it's pretty hard at the moment looking at it to carry Turbo if you've got Teddy there? I mean, how do you feel about that? Would you just punt Teddy and not go back just to make sure that you've got a fullback next week? Or... So I've got them both. So this is a valid question for me. Um, I have them both. And my plan at the moment is that I think fullback's too important to trade anyone in who's available this week. Gutherson is okay, but I'm not trading. I'm not straight swapping Tedesco to Gutherson at straight prices. It's too abhorrent. Like, yep. It's just not, I'm not doing it. Um, I, my plan is to wait till next week. And if both of them don't play next week, then next week I will punt, I'll punt Teddy because his draw stinks. I was always planning to get Pappenhausen in for Tedesco um, before the HIF Pappenhausen. I wanted to make that trade during origin because, um, Teddy's got the Titans, then Penrith, then Melbourne, um, and then he opens back up afterwards. But that's pretty much as hard as it's going to get. So if we get to the Gold Coast game and he doesn't play, I'll send him then to Ponger or Pappenhausen or, you know, it's like, and, and if, if Turbo doesn't play as well, I'm going to send him to another one of the big four rather than a buy player. Because I think those four are too good compared to everyone else. 
Um, I can't justify not having them. Can't think of any outside the top four that I'd want to own enough. I would rather trade him to someone else in that group than to risk running a buy player. No, that's fair enough. Uh, I mean, Teddy is the next one on the on the sheet as far as games in round 14. He plays the first game on a Saturday. So he's not too far behind Manly and Penrith playing the night before. So I, I would hazard a guess with Robbo that he's probably going to be cautious because he normally is. And um, Teddy will probably get rested as well. So, I mean, it, it, it does really wreak a bit of havoc where you might have Cleary, Teddy and Turbo all on the sideline in round 14. And that's why I think it's important to think ahead and really have a think about, you know, what your gut's telling you and what you want to do. Because you obviously can't make three trades next week either. So if you're thinking that, you know, you're going to be in a lot of strife next week because of the guys that you got. I mean, you might have other Penrith Panthers players. We've spoken about the big guns, Luke, but if you're carrying... Uh, you know, Yo in there as well. Um, if you've also got Luai as well as Cleary in your halves, which I I do have Luai and Cleary in my halves, you know, I don't think any mm. of those Panthers players are going to play pretty much on that Friday night. Like, I'd be surprised if more than one or two of them play. Maybe none of them play. And then if you've got three of them, plus, mm. you know, Turbo, plus Teddy on the Saturday, your team's going to be decimated next week. So you almost have to start to think about making a, a, yep. a trade this week just to take advantage of it and get ahead of it. I'll tell you one more thing I've just thought of, because I'm literally looking at my team to see what I'll do if that happens to me, given that you've <laughs> spent the whole time talking about how bad my fullback combo is. Um, uh, one thing that people can do and is really worth keeping in mind, that one of the reasons you can wait till next week if you've got like a the Teddy Turbo is that let's say we get to next week, so you don't really want Gutherson and that's really all you could do this week, really, to be honest. Um, if you wait till next week and Teddy doesn't play, you can flick Nico Hines to fullback if you're carrying him and then move Tedesco to another position. And Nico Hines is going to be over 900K, so you can then flick him again to a full, to a Pappenhausen, Ponger, or back to Teddy or whoever you want. Um, at another time, and that applies to Turbo too. So technically, if you just don't like, and this probably applies to me, if you're like, this is a problem for another day, um, I I would be tempted if you've got Nico Hines to sit there with that combo just for this week, and if the worst thing happens next week, you bump Hines to fullback, who's going as well as anyone you could bring in really anyway, um, and then just Teddy or or Turbo to another position, um, and then use the fact that Hines is at an incredible value to know that he's a straight swap to the best four fullbacks anyway. As soon as, as soon as Puppenhausen comes back to nerf him, you can just go bang and flick him to Pup. You can downgrade him to Puppenhausen, or you can um, or you can sideways him back to Teddy Ponger or whoever you like the look of. Yeah, that's a really good point too, and the duel makes it a lot a lot easier to do different things with Hines with um, how much he's worth and how well he's going as well. The second point that we'll make on this that we won't focus on too much with the strategy is, first of all, if you didn't if you didn't plan for the buys at all and you just got a lot of stars and you're just focusing on head-to-head and you've got all these guns everywhere, you might be in big trouble round 14 with how the draws worked out. If you have focused on the buy and stuff a little bit, I'd still go over to round 14 and have a bit of a count where you're at. I would, I would probably always look at my side pessimistically because then at least you'll get a nice surprise if it works out better than what you expect. But... Pessimistically, I would say if I own any Manly players or, or Penrith players, they're gone if they're playing in State of Origin. And I think that we're going to find that some teams are going to have six or seven of those guys. All of a sudden, like even centre wing, which we haven't spoken about, you got Brian Toto in your centre wing. That's a big hole, especially if you built your centre wing around only having four or five guys to use. And he's not, he won't back up either. You know, So there's a lot of other guys that we're not focusing on that are big guns that, that might leave you quite short next week. And I've seen some teams, mate, that have... Five, six 
seven Penrith Panthers players in it. It's worked out quite well, but it might actually bite you next week. Yeah, that's very true. Um, that's very true. It's one of the reasons with that I've seen a few people moving Crichton with his suspension and stuff, and that's one of the reasons I won't, is I'm sort of looking at guys like that going, having a guy that good and knowing for once they'll be playing next week is really important at the moment. 14s can be as hard as 13 sometimes. We've been we've all been stuck some years when they've hammered us with people uh, with origin and stuff like that. So if you've got some origin you know, guys not playing Origin that are going to play next week and aren't playing this week, don't be too quick to shoot them. I know, you know, Sam Sam Walker's been one, Schuster's been one around and that. If we get word they're fit and we can confirm they're fit to come back and stuff, they could be really important next week because the guys you're assuming will just play may well not. Yeah, and this is one of the things that we've seen in, I think the last couple of buy rounds have been pretty similar where... There's actually been a real big opportunity to move up in the buy round, which everyone's aware of. You know, if you plan well around the buy round, you can get a jump on people that aren't planning or the head-to-head guys that don't care about the buy because they're not playing, you know, that are already ranked ahead of you, you can overtake. But the thing that we've seen the last couple of years is actually the little mini jump opportunity is around directly following that buy round because of all these things that we've just spoken about. So huge chance for you to plan ahead from around 13 and 14 this week because some teams are going to come unstuck and it's a great opportunity to be able to jump them. Um, buy targets for me, Luke, I think like if you're trading in players this week and you've only got your two trades, I think that your main focus should be the high ceiling guys. Now, obviously, if you think you've got all the high ceiling guys, we're going to talk about some forwards in a minute. You know, you can look at some of those guys to solidify your team for 13. But if you're missing the high ceiling guys and you've got two trades, you know, trading two high ceiling guys is the way to go, in my opinion. Yeah, 100%. This is the same every year. Um, one of the earliest lessons I learned in Supercoach was in a really early season, I did all the work. I held uh, Nuffy players. I brought in your Aiden Tolmans across who were going to play every buy round and all those sorts of guys. I um I went, I went back in. This is when the buys were really staggered. Remember when they used to be like sort of, everyone missed a game over five weeks and you had to track your team. And I did all that work and we got to the first buy round and I was like, look at me, I've got 16 players. I got beat by a team that had 12 because they captain James Tedesco scored like 150 (laughs) and I didn't have him. And I got beaten and and it happens, uh, you know, other times there's been times where I've had 15 players, but I didn't captain Jason Talmalolo and someone else did and they beat me with 12 or 13. Like numbers are not equal. It's you, you get points for how many points you score and there's no point having a really good looking sheet without the big names that are going to hurt you. And it's really important in these weeks that you get them because they will murder you. You come out with 15 and you don't have Nico Hines or whatever, and he scores like he has been and everyone captains him. That's 300 points you're missing based on what he's averaging at the moment. And you're dead. You know, you can have <laughs> that. You can 300 points won't be made up by five players probably that you've got playing this no. week. And, and the thing is, as well, that's underrated is the fact that you've got a free VC loop yep. swing. So you want to have those mm-hmm. big hitters to VC because it's not going to yep. hurt you to do it. 100%. The next, the last thing as well that we'll just mention, a question that keeps coming up is, is it a good idea to, to maybe get a cheapie, like a downgrade option, and then upgrade somewhere else for the buy round? So maybe one of these guys... Uh, the, the young guys that have been named, certainly Brisbane have got a couple of young guys, guys like Palacia playing his third game, so he's going to go up in cash. Uh, there's all these sort of guys that you can downgrade someone to and upgrade somewhere else with your two trades. And the other option as well, which has been a popular on and off one in the past that people might do, is to try and target a fill-in guy that you're going to think, okay, he's going to give me a number in the buy round, but I'm not going to see him again, hopefully. 
And if that's the case, he can just be one of my nuffs, but at least he's going to give me some points for the buy round. I'm someone who's done that off and on before when I've sort of needed to, but I, this year I'm actually pretty off doing that as a strategy because I'm too worried about some of these guys coming back and giving me really poor scores. Um, I'm too worried about the depth and not having guys that I can use at the moment with all the the HIAs and the rap sheets that are happening at the judiciary and guys getting sent for 10 and then getting, you know, a, you know, a couple of weeks off on the sideline f- for that and different things, you know, like it's, I'm wanting that depth as well. So I'm a little bit over looking at that. Um, I'm not really going to focus on getting a cheap in. I think that I'm going to rather, I think the trade's more valuable to save this year and use later than to trade a guy in get his 25 points maybe and hope that he's going to be enough down the track. But I have seen a lot of teams sort of looking at that because they can then upgrade somewhere else. No, I wouldn't do it. I agree with you. Uh, you need deep squads this year. Forget the buy rounds. Dead set. over the last month, there's been weeks where I'm like, who the hell are my last reserves going to be? Because everyone just keeps pulling out. Like I get two yep. suspensions and then the guy comes back and I get another suspension and injury. I, I, I looped Hines last week and I got down to my absolute bare bones. Like I, once Schuster, like I had two or three guys pull out and once Schuster went down, I needed Bradman Best, who was in doubt, to play. Or I, I would have been like I'd already used my AE. Like that's how short I got. And I went in going, I have 20 players and I was going to leave Watson and Barnett and best out of my team, and they all ended up playing, like, with best as my last one, because guys just kept going <laughs> down all weekend. And that's been happening a lot. Like, it just kept being like, I'm like, if I had have had less players, I'd have been in real trouble. But buy rounds only make it worse, and origin makes it worse, because you get niggles and guys not backing up. So I don't like it, and I don't see... I think when you do that, or if you look at bringing in a player this week, you need to look at the fact that why bring a guy in that's not going to make real money? Like if you bring in these, that Brisbane guy, he's not going to make enough money for you to sell. You're committing to basically you're going to get 30, 20, 30 points in a buy round. Then you're going to sell, like you're going to keep him a week or two. He's going to nuff around your bench doing nothing. Then you're going to sell him to the same version for 17 of someone who might get 20 or 30 points because you can't actually make any money off him. He hasn't made enough and you've got 60 points for it. Whereas you could just go straight to a Suwali or another guy who you think might play 17 now, free the cash up, and you'll be 30 points less off, but have an extra trade that you can use to bring in someone good in other weeks. Like I, I think I would be, I would really take the strategy with the where the buys are this year that you should only bring in good players this week, guys that are going to make heaps of money, or are keepers, guys you could can live with seeing in your side all year. If they're not out-and-out keepers, they're guys that you can at least live with. And if you're going to nuff down and stuff, look for someone for 17 almost because that's going to be a really hard week. And as long as your numbers are okay, I just think you're really hurting yourself to go to a guy right now. Enough to 17 is probably the wrong word. Look for a guy who plays 17 that's cheap and bring in someone really solid this week because I think there's actually a lot more players this week that are worth having than there will be in the next one. Yeah, that's true as well. And what you've said is something that I've actually looked at doing. I think that I'm actually going to use one of my trades for a number this week and that'll probably give me 14 players. And Mm. I would rather use the other trade to get a, a gun in that's also going to play 17 and know that I'm going to have them for next week than to just get that 15th guy in. Like, I, I don't think I need yeah. that 15th guy. Um, I can do 14 and still go well in the buy round. So, for instance, um, for value, you know, someone like TKO at the moment, 
Um, he got his minutes back last week. He's healthy from that rib injury that's seen him with low minutes and on the bench for a month. He's a value pick, and he's going to play around 17. Tohu Harris, if you don't own him, he's a he's a season-long keeper that you can get in now. You know you're going to be covered with depth next week mm. if you get him, um, and you're using that trade early. So if you get any issues next week, you know, it's it's freed up. We've already got that guy in, and he's going to play around 17 as well. So certainly I think that the guys are that are, have planned well in the buy rounds for, for the first buy round, have the opportunity now to say, you know what, there's definitely no point getting 17 guys. Like, if you've already got 15, don't get 17. You know, use that trade to look ahead for next week and to the 17 buy. Get a Tohu in, get a TKO in, get, get some of these guys in that you know that are going to play later and they're going to help you out next week when you could be short. That's a much better option because you don't need to have 17. You don't need to have 16. You can afford to do that. Obviously, if you're a team that's only got nine, then you need to hammer your two trades for this week. But I think a lot of teams have... A lot of the serious teams have tried to plan for the buy pretty well. And those mm. teams, you can definitely look ahead and just use one of your trades for the buy this week. Or just save it. You know, save one trade. You don't have to use Agreed. it. Agreed. The reason in bringing that up that I bring up Suwali, by the way, is I think he's relevant to origin discussion. I know he's 34% owned, but I don't own him. And, that you know, 34% less than half at the end of the day. If you don't own Suwali, my concern is with the uncertainty about Tedesco and all these guys. Suwali's played two games is guaranteed to play in the buy round and it's a negative 43 BE and he could play at any given moment now because the odds are that they'll name Tedesco and and stuff to back up. But if he doesn't, that's when he'll come in. So you could get this situation where you use both your trades next week and then Suwali's a late in for someone, for, for a Teddy or whatever, or the week after, or Teddy does play, but the week after, you could miss him on late notice. So I see a situation this week, if you're trying to downgrade for cash and you've got good numbers already, I would much rather lock him in so next week I can get guns and get your Tohu Harris's and everything, rather than going, oh, crap, I've got to spend a trade getting a Suwali or whatever, than bringing in, you know, I see people bringing in these Broncos cheapies and stuff. I'd much rather get someone like that who I know is going to be good and could burn me by coming in when I'm not expecting it. Yeah, I agree. And that's one of the things with planning ahead. If you plan ahead, you're going to have the flexibility to be able to make these these trades that come up that you weren't prepared for. But if you don't plan ahead, you're not going to be. And one of the dangers of someone like Suwali, like Luke mentioned, the most dangerous thing is that he can play anywhere. So it's not just one position he needs to be out. He could play fullback. He can. One of the centers could be out. One of the halves could be out, and Manu goes from full from from mm. center into the halves, and then that opens up Suwali. Um, Ikevalu could get dropped. You know, he hasn't set the world on fire. Um, they might decide just to sit him in the game and give Suwali a chance there because he's playing too well. A- any spot in that back line that goes down from seven to one will probably mean Suwali comes in, and that's going to happen over this Origin period. So uh, I would be. I'd be thinking about that. I think it's a really good point. Mate, let's get stuck into the, the player mm-hmm. tiers and talk about some actual plays per position and some numbers because I love it. So, Hooker, we're going to start with. There's probably two guys that are at the top that are playing for this buy round, and one of them is Reed Marnie, and he's only playing because the Queensland camp cut him. Like we said, we didn't even think we are going to have him. He's actually the second best hooker overall, not even just in the buy round. So Harry Grant's number one at 71.8 points. Reed Marnie's number two at 70.9 points. The great thing about Marnie is that he's got a good matchup in this round 13 buy against your Knights, but he's also only 464,000. He's done the anti-peak. He's he's gone down in price perfectly for a purchase for the buy round. But, you know, he's got a 65 BE, so he's pretty much bottomed out at 464,000. 
he's been you know almost 200 grand higher than that before. So this is a plum opportunity to get Marnie in. And he's a hooker that's gone really well this year. So you can have him for this buy and then just leave him. He is in 22% of teams, but he, he's probably a hooker that you can leave there and, and sort of just run run with. And they've got a pretty good draw, the Eels, over the next three weeks. They play the Knights, the Tigers, and the Bulldogs, which is a really great three weeks for them. And Marnie's a guy that's been hitting some attack stats. So it's interesting, Luke, out of the four players that we've earmarked to talk about for hooker for this round, Marnie's the cheapest at 464000 uh, the other guys that we're that we've got here are Braley, who is obviously the second best option as far as averages go. He's only 0.6 behind where Reed Marnie is for the season, but he's near a hundred thousand dollars more expensive. So it's a fairly big difference as far as guns go. Um, and Brandon Smith is one hundred twenty thousand more, uh, and he's sort of a a plug and play for a couple of weeks type of thing. And he's a bit of a different one because you're going to get rid of him. He's got a minus one be. He's playing the Titans, so he's got a good draw and match-up, but you're going to have to punt him. So we'll talk about our pod pick in a minute, but out of, you know, the guns in Marty and Braley that you can probably leave there for the year, or, you know, a Brandon Smith that you can plug and play and sort of get rid of at a, at a bit of a profit maybe, you know, where do you sit for this round? If you had to trade a hooker in, how do you sort of rank those three? Yeah, uh, humble brag. I got Brandon, Brandon Smith last week, so I'm very happy with that. Um, I, I got him in first. <laughs> I, so I'm really, really happy with that. But um, I would have him second this week. Uh, I think Marnie's the pick by a mile. Uh, I know anyone who's looking at his numbers closely will make the very good point that he, he has played 70 minutes the last two weeks, and that is of some concern because they started to rest him a little bit at the end of last year because they want him to burn out. Um, but I think, I suspect that that won't keep happening. Um, to be honest, I think, you know, they knew origin was coming up and probably thought he was going to get picked. And I, I think now he hasn't, they'll probably give him a chance to put his foot forward for the next game. And it's just, you've got to go on numbers. He's averaged 70 and is at 460 K. It's, I think if you don't have him, he and you've got the you know, the flexibility with where you've got Watson or or you know maybe you've got uh, Watson at nine and you can bunt him to six to get someone down there or whatever it might be. It's a really good move. I'm going to make it this week. I have Smith at uh, Brandon Smith and Braley, so I'm going to get Smith into the back row to get it done. Um, I can do Ryan James to Mahoney, and I think via Brandon Smith, and I think that's absolute sex for a trade. Seriously, like <laughs> it's, it's, it's like fair income, it feels good. Um, at like 460k for a guy that's averaged 70 for the season, and when I'm talking about him slowing off, he's gone 50 and 56 in 70 minutes the last two weeks. They're not bad scores, and if that's the downside at the price, given that we've seen him go over 100 three times this year couple more, you know, another one over 80. I, I think you've got to have a crack. I think Newcastle Tigers and the Bulldogs are exactly what you want to see. Got a 100 on the Tigers already and a 69 on, on the Bulldogs. So unless you don't have someone who's super high owned, like most of us have got, the, you know, the Heinzers and those guys this week and, and, and you know, Pangai and, and Papa Lee here and those guys. Outside of the obvious, I think he's the one, the slam dunk by this week to grab. Yeah, I, I really like him. Um, he's the number one hooker for me as well. I probably probably got it Marnie, Daylight, and then real toss-up with Braley and Smith. I mean, one of the things with Smith is that you've got to flip in quick. If you're fine to do that, you know, then it's fine. If you don't want to do that, then you probably need to choose Braley. But, you know, Marnie's just that far ahead of them. I think it's not funny as far as a buy. I am pretty worried with Braley. I do think that the Knights aren't looking the best. If they don't have Ponga there... Um, how they've been going, you know, you'll know yourself being a fanatical Knights fan. You know, I'm not, I'm not that confident that he's going to be able to pick up 
the attack that he has in some of those good games that he's had. But when you go through the numbers, like you mentioned, Marnie's already got two tons this year already. Braley, Braley's mm. got none. As good as it he seemed to be, mm. and he has had like the highest scores in the 80s, he still hasn't hit that ton mark. You know, he's got like the the 92, which was close, and then he's got the 90, the 86, and then all, you know, a couple of 70s and then 60s. He doesn't have that mega score in there, which, you know, Marnie's got a couple of. So, but, you know, are you concerned about Braley? Like, are you feeling as good about him as what you were sort of six weeks ago? Um, interesting. I sort of, sort of two perspectives on that. I'll challenge you a little bit on the Ponga thing, because Ponga missed the first month, and Braley went 86, 90, 78, 65, and actually has dropped off a bit since he came back. But I, I watch every night game unfortunately far closer than I'd have liked mostly this year it was good on the weekend though uh, and look he has the signs of a guy who shot out of the gate and he's a bit tired um, not in a critis- critical way he just is a little bit less sparky than he was uh, in the first month that form surprised me it's better than I've seen him play before and I wouldn't say he's regressed I just think he's a little he's just looking a bit tireder and, um, you know, getting out a little bit less and a little bit less sparky. He got a 58 with a try assist on the weekend. So he set up a try in the 75th cell, the 76th minute under the post for Saifidi, and that got him to 58. And that's a TSLBA too, so that's a 38 game without that. Um, I wouldn't be bringing him in now. I'm not rushing to get rid of him. I think I'll sit him and Marnie for a while, and I'll probably jump to Grant or, or, or even a Cook Pod late or something like that. I think he's a hole, but he's not a bring-in at the moment. I, there's no reason you would go him over Reed, and I'd probably go to Smith for ceiling. Um, I know you'd have to sell him, but I don't really think you'll carry Braley to the end either. I think you'd probably end up selling him to Grant or or, a, or Cook if he had a good run, or, or someone anyway later. So, yeah, leave him out. I, I'd even hazard a guess that a third of Braley's games have been propped up by absolute junk, like ultimate junk. Like, he's had two where he scored in the last five minutes, and he had that TSLBA in the last five minutes last game. Like, he's, he's got a third of his games, which have really come good at the end, that really yeah. weren't going to be. They were pretty stressful. Um, but... Other point I'll make on Hooker before we move on, I don't love it as a position, which I've made known on other podcasts, and even when we've chatted, I, I don't think it's a great position at the moment. I don't. I think Grant's a pretty clear-cut guy that you could put at number one, but even he has you know, his faults of not really consistently doing the 80 minutes or anything and, and having Brandon Smith there and playing Origin and all that stuff. I don't, I don't like it as a position. And if I don't like something as a position and I don't think it's got that huge upside. I sure as hell don't want to be using trade after trade there, trading guys in and out. Like, I do that at fullback because there's so many good options. But at hooker, I'd rather just throw someone there that, you know, if I get stuck with them for the year, it's fine. I don't really care. And that's why I think Marnie's well at the top of the list. I do want to mention uh, our pod for this section in hooker stakes, and that is Ben Hunt. And I am going to go out here, and a lot of people will disagree with me, I'll say that Marnie's still probably my number one hooker buy for this round, but I think Ben Hunt is a very, very close second for me. I've got him above Brandon Smith, and I've got him above Jaden Braley. He's only 479000 He's coming off an 83-point game on the weekend. So whilst you might want to not waste multiple trades on your hooker spot, um, you could very well trade at a halfback and put Ben Hunt as a backup um, half, and that's fine to keep him there as a backup half for the year and then get a hooker in. That makes it a bit easier. But when you're looking at the draw and what he's been doing, Luke, you know, he's actually been really solid. Like, his scores for this year, 74, 116, 41, 22, 69, 55, 58, 83. 
Nothing terrible aside from the 122-point game. And he now has the Broncos in the bye. Revenge game at Jubilee as well. Then the Bulldogs. Then the Raiders. Then the Warriors. Manly that are going to have Turbo. The Titans. You know, and then he starts to hit the harder games from round 20. The Dragons low-key have a fantastic run. And he's been going pretty well against the the poorer team. 69 against the Dogs. He's already put on 83 against the Tigers last round. Put 116 on the Cowboys in round two and 74 points on the Sharks in round one. I really, really like him. I think that he is one of those real pod 1% owned high upside guys for this buy round. And, you know, Reed Marnie's 22% owned. So if you were trying to get ahead, I think there's a real argument that you could say, you know, what, I'm going to throw Ben Hunt in this week. Yeah, I like it. Um, I think that's a good point. I'll I'll put him second as well, honestly. Um, he's the guy I would have traded Cleary to if I was going to do it as well. I, I wouldn't have gone Hughes. I'd have gone to Hunt because I love that draw and the upside and the fact that you could see him really pump up in price and get Cleary back a bit cheaper. And if you're not prepared to do that, and I don't blame you, um, it's easy to say I was going to. I'm not going to now. So um, I, I would I would I don't mind him at hooker at all. He's looked really solid this year. He's good. Uh, he's always been a pretty good super coach player when he's given the the time and and stuck in the one position. And and that draws about as good as you're going to get because none of his opponents for the next month uh, are any good, basically. So. Um, yeah, I, I could see that really going well for Hunt, and I don't mind that as a shout. I would have said if Marnie was still at 550, where he's sat as a low point this year until the HIA game, I would have taken Hunt. Um, I, I would have taken Hunt at 470, overpaying 560, 600 for Marnie. Uh, it's only that Marnie's so cheap. Like I can't, I can't go to hunt with Marnie's draw and the fact that he's averaged 70 and the fact that it's a bit solider because he always makes the tackles. So you're sort of like, oh, Marnie didn't really show up today. He got 50 rather than the risk of the 20. Um, so, I'm going to have to jump in yeah. there because I'm getting too excited to hold this in any mm-hmm. longer. Let me tell you about this trade because I think you're going to love it. Trade that I looked at, Cleary and Simkin. To Marnie and Hunt. I'm pretty keen on that. I would have a think about that. If, if you're committed to trading Cleary, we've already had that discussion. So that's a philosophical question everyone must answer for themselves. But if you're prepared to do it, um, that I really do like the look of that. And, you, you, you know, especially the flexibility is that one of them you'd expect will go well. Like, let's say one of them tanks, and I don't think they should, but, you know, super coach always goes wrong. One of them should bounce back and make enough that you get Cleary back for them at a big discount with the flexibility. So if you've got Hunt at halfback and Marnie flies up to 650, but Hunt sort of stinks a bit, you can swap Hunt up to hooker and use Marnie to get Cleary back and vice versa. You've got the flexibility there as to who you actually use to get Cleary back, which I think is actually important as well. Yeah, I love it with that flexibility yeah. as well. Let's move mm. on to front row forward. Uh, there's really... Front row forward's another one of those positions where it's it's pretty tough, and you can kind of tell because all, all three of the front row forwards that you consider for this week are all second rowers as well. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how good front row forward is. Uh, there's IPAP, who's number one by a mile at 85.3 points, but he is at 700,000. Whereas the value picks, you can have a 69-point Tavita Pengai Jr. at 545,000 or a 581,000 James Fisher-Harris, who's averaging 66.7 points. So those are pretty much the clear-cut three best players for this round. I'm... I'm going to, I've already said it. They're also the top three. They're also three of the top four in the position at all, which is interesting. So, you know, I was 
probably going to agree with you that it's not a sexy position, but if you're looking to roll lock in front rowers for the season and you don't have some of these guys, they, you are technically looking in the guys you should think about running to to the end based on what we've seen already. Yeah, and that's why like, I don't think it's a great position, um, but mm. but this, lend, the, this buy really lends itself to the fact that if you trade guys in, you'd rather trade guys in that you can keep, and all of these guys yeah. are guys that you can trade in and just leave there. So, you know, we've kind of been given a gift in this round 13 that you don't have to look at like the Aiden Tolmans like Luke's mentioned he's had to jump in before and stuff. You actually look at the three best props and say who do I want for the end of the year and just get them in and have them for the buy, mm. which is really good. I mean, I I bit the bullet and paid for iPad last week. I just didn't want to stuff around with it anymore. I already had to meet a Pangai Jr. there already, so I couldn't look at him. So I've already shown my hand here, Luke. You know, I've I've chosen to spend 700k on IPAP. I've already got to meet a Penguin Junior, and I love him. And he's playing the Dragons. I expect him to absolutely tear the Dragons to shreds. Um, James Fisher Harris is obviously the odd man out for me. Now he's got a pretty big fan club, and I'm I'm almost starting to come around. He's actually 36% owned though, which I think is a really big turn off um, when you're considering the clutch attack that IPAP and Pangai Jr. can have to give them big scores, and James Fisher-Harris can't. You know, I, I think that the 36% ownership on on James Fisher-Harris is a big deal. But when you're looking at his minutes, I, I've always hated his minutes. Like, he's played yeah. 58, 47, 48, 35, 59, 52, 49. His range is, like, mid to late 40s in minutes to sort of high 50s max, and that's it. And, you know, I, I really can't stand it, but... His scores have been really good. He's now gone from round eight onwards with a 64, 84, 98, 52, and 68. I've said to a lot of people, look, he goes on these runs, but then he gives you, like, round six and seven, he gave you 55 and 48. Round three, he threw up a 39 in 50, 51 minutes, which is entirely possible as well. I've always hated those peaks and troughs with James Fisher-Harris, which is why I've never bought him. Do you think that this might be the year that he just continues on with it, though, with how good the Panthers are going? And the fact that this this week he probably plays bulk minutes too. Yeah, I think he'll play big minutes over the next over the Origin period, and I think they'll ease him up after Origin and put some time back in the Origin guys that they'll carry through the middle. Um, I think they'll carry, you know, Catewell, Martin, and those guys will get a little bit of a rest. And obviously, Yo through the through these games, they'll play a bit less minutes, and 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 the fish will pick up a bit of slack. And even if it's only, I think it'll be big minutes this week, and it'll, might even if it's five or ten minutes, that's enough. He's passing the eye test so well at the moment. He's the best front rower in the game, and he's a bit out of sight, out of mind because for some reason in Australia, we still think about Origin so much. We find it hard to acknowledge Kiwis being the best player in a position. We have always had that issue. It was a trouble when Roy Asatasi was the best front rower. They, they, they don't play Origin, we sort of don't acknowledge it. But he is killing it. He in this year, he's the best front rower going around. He's in such good form. Ivan Cleary scares me a fair bit. I, 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 there's no way I would pick him up before Tevita Pangai because Tevita Pangai is your 100 guy. Um, he, he bangs big scores and he saves bad base games because every now and then he bases 30, but he ends up throwing 26 points in offloads. <laughs> and then, you know, the next week he makes a try assist. I would take Pangai first. Yeah. I think Fisher-Harris is a pretty safe bet now that he won't let you down over the distance. If you pick him for the rest of the year, he'll probably average about what he does now, but he might do it by 
scoring 70 two weeks in a row and then dropping a, a 40. But as long as you're just prepared to wear it, I think it's okay. It's hard. It's a hard one to fathom because his minutes should go up a bit. But if you've got the money, we talked about ceiling players. I'd be wary without of going without IPAP this week, of going to a Fisher-Harris and being worried I'll cop a 70 and that, but that sort of IPAP bangs out another 100, especially against Newcastle. I couldn't possibly because, do it. Hey, yeah. I, I couldn't possibly yeah. not have... The ton average, the ton potential yeah. that Pangai has, and Papali'i has like uh, Papali'i has three tons on the board already, and he's got a 97 and 98 as well. Uh, you know, so you could even argue it's basically five tons, just about. Um, Tavita Pangai's got two tons, and he's got some other big ones in there as well. You know, James Fisher Harris doesn't have any tons. He doesn't score 100 plus. It doesn't happen. So yeah. I, I think I'm not even considering James Fisher Harris for that reason. Um, I think that you have to have either. Tavita Pangai or Isaiah Papali'i. Uh, I would... Uh, look, I'm loath to regurgitate what I've said before about the risk with Papali'i because I think it's pretty clear he's now won that job and lanes on the bench. I'm still a little bit concerned that maybe that could change later on. Like, maybe they try and flick his minutes around or he goes down five or ten minutes. And, you know, we have seen the minutes go up and down and stuff, whereas I think sort of Tavita mm. Pangai, I can lock and load for the year and I know that he's going to get his, his minutes on that edge and he's going to play his 80 on that edge. They're not going to play him like 60 or something. So yeah. I feel a lot more comfortable probably getting Tavita Pangai Jr. for 150000 less. So my rankings would be TPJ, Papa Lee and, and Fisher-Harris pretty far behind those guys. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. And there's some other guys. I think I'd be getting Pap and Pangai, and then rather than getting Fisher-Harris as a second trade, if you're getting one of them, I'd, I'd wait and have a look at, at getting a guy for, for 17. There's still your Luke Thompsons and your, and your Martys and all those guys you could bring in. I, I'd rather lock in a Pap or a Pangai if you've got one but not the other and then save the other trade in the front second row sort of area for, for someone next next round. You've got your Luke Thompsons at prop. You've got Tohu's in the second row. I don't think you need to drag Fisher-Harris in this week. But I, as we sort of said, if you've got Pangai and Pap and for some reason you want another prop, then I don't think he'll let you down. And I think he'll score well this week. I think this week he will go well with those players out. I reckon he'll play 60 minutes and, you know, probably score 60, 75 or something. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, not really any pods in this area. Second row forward's a lot better, though, um, as far as pods go, but not really as good for this round as far as, uh, I guess, good scoring guys that you want to rely on go. Because really, Barnett has disappointed us for the last month, not of any fault of his own, but just because his minutes have gone down. I think that we hoped with TLT today he was going to get named on the edge, but Brody Jones is there, so he's back at 13 still. One thing, that might that might change. I'd keep an eye on that, because they've named, like, really pointlessly ducks and drakes. So you, you've got to love rugby league coaches. They've been begging Clifford <laughs> to come here for two months, like harassing the Cowboys every week to get him. The day they released him, they flew him to Newcastle. He played on Friday and was in Newcastle by Saturday. He was at the game on Sunday, and they're now pretending he's the 18th man with Watson named at 5'8". So um, Watson, just as what could happen is I assume Clifford will come in the halves and Watson will either revert to the bench or he could go to lock forward and push Barney to the second row. That's what they could all so do. Yeah, well, I mean, as owners that have held him, you'd kind mm. of hope so. Yep. Um, but, I mean, there's also Ryan Madison sitting there who's yep. had a below average season by his standards. Whilst Barnett has a really good average, someone like Ryan Madison is well below where he was at, 58.6 points for this season so far. I think we all expected a lot better than that. But, you know, he's only 540000 for this buy. And he's a guy that's played well before, so you could argue that it's, he's up and up. One of the mm. annoying things with him 
is that in the last two weeks, he's played 70 and 59 minutes. And it's sort of, the 59, especially in round 11, was sort of out of nowhere where mm. everyone was expecting him just to play his 80 minutes. And it didn't happen. And they, they changed that rotation around completely. Coincidentally, he scored 42 and 47 the last two weeks. Last week, it was because he got a sin bin. Mm. But, you know, it's it's a real worry that, that he went down in minutes and the last two weeks have been in the 40s as a result. He certainly needs his 80 minutes there. We might make a point to the coach that uh, they won... You know, in in round ten, I believe they ran around. I'm looking at his scores, and it's like I'm pretty sure they won the first three games he played, and then they cut his minutes, and they've been beaten by like whopped by Manly and flocked yeah. by South. So maybe like that plan isn't working, Arthur. Keep him on the freaking ground. Yeah, I think that plan is definitely <laughs> yeah. not working. I mean, he's got the he's got the matchups right: the Newcastle edge, the Tigers edge, and the Bulldogs edge. He. He hasn't scored his try. He hasn't had his big score this year yet. His best score is 85. He's he's getting ready for 120 somewhere in the next few weeks where he's going to score his, his try. He's going to get a, a line break try assist, and it's all just going to come together in 80 minutes. Could be this week. I'd get him. If you don't have him, I'd get him. I forget the BE's over 100. If you don't have him in the back row, I reckon he's a, a real the one to grab this week because we've seen it all before. He's a proven pedigree. And I think um, at that price, it's not a huge risk. I can't, I can't talk about kick out first and then, and then like try and stupidly pretend that you might pick him over Madison. Uh, you're welcome <laughs> to. <laughs> well, I mean, the third guy was, was kick out, but he disappointed me massively last week. Although can I say, you know, he's 392,000. So he's very cheap, but can I say he scored, um, what was it? 37. Or 42. Mm. I think he went up to 42. He got absolutely dudded, like a try contribution at a minimum, where he he got the ball on the left-hand side of the field, drew his defender to him, about 15 metres out from the line, passed it to the unmarked Burton, who went over and scored 10 metres out, and he didn't even get a try contribution for it. Like, oh, I saw that. Did he not get anything for that? He got zero. Like I think some of us were sort of waiting and going, well, you know what? If Cleary did that, it's probably a, a try assist, line break assist. So he could go up bulk points here. Like This could be like a 60-plus score and he's fine. Whereas, you know, or at least a try contribution or sort of might, you know, with some other update, it might get him to the 50s. Nah, didn't get anything. So like there's a couple of guys that are just being rewarded at the moment and that's another one for Kikiao that he missed out on. But oh, I digress. I think that Kikau is here as an option if you really want to have a crack because he probably plays 80 minutes this week, and I think that's the appeal. But I, I sort of think that last week was the week that you had to get him. Uh, I agree with you, Luke. I think it's Madison is the number one buy by a mile. Um, how do you kind of rate the Barney and Kikau buys? Like, if you had Madison, would you actually think that you could bring in a Barney or Kikau for this round? No, um, I wouldn't bring in Barnett. Um I, I'm looking forward to selling him soon. I wouldn't bring him in. Kick out. It's a throw at the stumps. He's really he, Army kick out could go big at any given time. Um, so I won't talk anyone out of it, but there's too many. I'm looking at his scores at the moment and we have a one, two, we have three thirties and a 20, you know, and, and two forties. That's it's three uh, forties. It's not enough. Um, he could do it, but you just you're just flying a bit blind. I know the price is okay, but you won't even make money because he could get like let's say he goes out, plays 80 minutes, and scores two tries and gets 100. He'll still get 30 next week for no reason. Like he doesn't do it ever. And you look at there's no run to any of this. It's like 46, 123, 57, then the 90, but then 30, 37, then the 50, then 23, then 54. There's no 
sense of that he goes on a run it's just random so i don't think you'll ever make enough money off it either i just wouldn't bother it, it could come off so until anyone out of it you know there's anyone can score on any given week and he's a really good player and he should be on the field the whole time but i just think you're shooting a bit in the dark yeah i, I liked it a lot more last week i mean i bought him last mm. week because i had the bulldogs and then yeah i had the buy this week at potentially 80 and I do think that with all the outs next week that Penrith will probably have, that he's a chance at even 80 next week against the Sharks. So I do think that you got a two-week play right now, but last week you obviously had a three-week play to kind of make it happen, get you some points, yeah. and then and then move him on for a hopeful profit. The Bulldogs game probably took that out of the equation a little bit. Um, but he still could play 80 the next two weeks. You know, He still could have big minutes the next two weeks with Penrith having bulk outs both yeah. weeks. Um, no, look. Rather than go second, honestly, rather than go for the second row as you've mentioned, I'd be, I'd be. I know we talked Fisher Harris down a little bit. I'd be keener on getting Fisher Harris at prop and moving down, yeah. uh, Pangai or Papalihi, or moving to those props and shifting some down if you don't have them. Than I would to going to any of the options outside of Madison. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, the last guy here though is a pod, absolute pod. Nathan Brown, the forgotten man. Now, I, I've been an, a completely unapologetic, massive Nathan Brown fan for many, many years. Um, yeah. He's always let me down in Supercoach because he gets hurt. He's currently in 2% of teams. We talk about Kikiar being cheap at 392000 Nathan Brown is 418000 Now, the reason that Kikiar is 392000 to purchase for this buy is because Kikiar has sucked ass this year. Um, Nathan Brown hasn't. He's actually been hurt, and it's come at an opportune time. So, you know, a month ago, he got hurt. So in round eight against the Bulldogs, he busted his hip pretty badly. It looked like he was going to be gone for weeks, months even, and he only played his 37 minutes and scored 23. So all of a sudden, he dropped 57 cash that week, 35K in cash against New Zealand, where he played lower minutes because of the injury again. And then he was back up to 61 and 72 minutes the last two weeks and he's now bottomed out at his price. So you're buying him at the best time. Um, he has only sort of, his scores the last three weeks have only been 45, 54, and 63. But you could see at the start of the year, you know, he, he basically scored between 51 and 72 for six weeks straight before he had that injury. So he was very, very solid. Uh, you're not getting upside from him, but you're getting a very solid score and a guy that you could probably sit there for the year two because you're getting him in so cheap and because he's going to give you 50-plus unless he gets hurt. So he's another guy, Luke, that I would probably end up putting just behind Madison, to be honest, on, on the buys for this week, the way things are looking. And, and he's a real pod one too. So if he did manage some attack that he doesn't normally get, but if he did manage like a, a sneaky you know, line break try assist or even a try somehow then all of a sudden he's, he's got a big score this week as well for 400k odd. Yeah, you say unless he gets hurt. I'd say until he gets hurt based on... <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. my only concern with him. He's always been a really good player. Every time I bring him in, he goes off with like a peck or a knee or an ankle or, or something. There was, remember that time that they kept saying he would be back in like a week or two and he was out for like six weeks? Like, uh, um, yeah. He just hurt me too many times and has been on the never again for doing what he's done this year. He gets hurt and then he either misses games or because he's a bit of a warrior, he plays injured, which sort of is worse because you think he gets to get him and then he sits there shitting at 40s on you and stuff so i look but he's a good player he's a good player and i won't talk anyone out of that price because he can play but i would i would go to madison if you unless the money is unworkable i would not pick him over madison because madison should be going back to 80 minutes and and you know he's going to be good since elite if he's not hurt that's probably the difference he's always a hia risk but he's a 70 average player without that yeah i definitely wouldn't compare him i'd say like if you own madison 
and you want a second row forward, then I think Nathan Brown probably is a is a decent look for this week with his um pottishness and, and high floor as well. But fair enough. Half back wise, Nathan Cleary is a mile ahead of everyone, averaging an insane hundred and twelve point four points a game, which is ridiculous. But Second on the list is a guy that I've talked up a couple of times as a bit of a pod boy that I really liked for you know, six weeks, and that's um, Jerome Hughes. He's far and away the best second option as well. He's at 71.9 points. The next best guy is Ben Hunt at 64.8 points. He came as number three best halfback. So that tells you where the position of halfback's been going this year. But Hughes has very quietly had a good year. He's 700k, and in the bye, he's actually playing the Titans, which is actually a really good matchup for him. He doesn't have low scores, aside from a couple at the start of the year. It's pretty insane. Last week, he went 65. The weeks before, 74, 103, 80, 141, 102. Shit game of 52, 60. And then we're into the the first few weeks of the season where he wasn't performing. He has been on a massive run for like nine weeks now. I have said many times, Luke, that if I was going to trade another halfback in, or if I was going to trade Nathan Cleary, the only halfback I was really interested in would be Jerome Hughes. Um, That has not changed, especially when his next three games, including the bye, the Titans, Warriors and Tigers. There is Burton here to have a bit of a chat about, um, whether people would want to get Burton in because he's obviously going to be in the halves and he's been playing well at centre anyway. Uh, I don't think it's a contest at all. I I would pay up and just get Jerome Hughes in for this week. I wouldn't get Burton over him. Um... Hughes is going really well. It's hard to argue with the numbers. I just don't like him for Supercoach. That's a really, really <laughs> stupid thing to say, but I've, I just think that they'll drop back off, um, and I have nothing to say to that in terms of <laughs> statistics. The statistics there don't support me. I'm not doing it because I've watched him play. I think he's a good player in real life, but he's a real running player, um, and I think the new rules suit him. So, like, I mean, that's one thing that might, prove me wrong a little bit but I, I think over the distance you'll start to see a few of those 40 30 games and to be honest I, I just look at that position and I don't want to play I know I should want to play him at 70 but I don't even the other guys even the hunts even walkers I really just want Cleary so and I don't want to trade there you talked about not wanting to trade at hooker I don't I just want to play Nathan Cleary and leave it alone if you go to Hughes good luck to you the numbers are there it supports you and I'm probably wrong but I just want to play Nathan Cleary and leave everyone else there alone and pick other positions that's my attitude to that spot no look that's perfectly fine the the thing that I like about Hughes this week though is that he does have that high upside he's got 25% of his games he's scored 100 plus so three out of his 12 he's gone 100 plus and the Titans team this week doesn't doesn't look very good at all with a couple of their names out. No, it? it looks terrible. And their draw for Melbourne is really good almost all season. Um, when you go through, there's all the... Well, it happens when you're a very good team. Is You look through and you keep looking at games they should win. And there's a lot of them. Um, there's a run of Penrith and Manly at one point, which is, you know, relatively hard, I suppose. And then there's Parramatta and round 24. And outside of that, there's a lot of games you would expect him to go really well in or to expect Melbourne to go really well in. Um, I guess the other thing for me is that I'm, I've got Hines and I've got Brandon Smith. So I feel like I'm on them this week whilst they could all go well. Sometimes you've just got to pick your poison with teams and pick who you're going to go. And if you've only got Hines, maybe Hughes is more of a goer, but you know, if you start picking everyone in the spine for a team, inevitably one of them misses out and stuff. So I, that's another reason that I'm a little bit off it. But if you don't have that level of coverage, it, this you do want to be on the storm this week. So it might be a good shout, particularly if you don't have Hines and you go, crap, I can't really pay that for him now. 
Um, I'm not paying 877 for him. Maybe your way in is to go to Hughes and hope he's the one that grabs the bulk points this week because there has been weeks he's done that. He's been the guy that's really grabbed the really big scores. Well, I'll give you the the best closing line ever to the sales script on this Jerome Hughes purchase. 7%, Luke. That's how many teams mm. is in 7%. You. That's a really good start. Would... That's going to talk me around. <laughs> well, I mean, when you're talking about guys that can go big, there isn't anyone mm. as low ownership as what Jerome Hughes is that can go big hundreds. Um, so that's that's one of the big selling points for me. And that's why, like, I, I've considered the Ben Hunt-Marnie double trade, yeah. but I've also considered choosing between Hunt and Marnie and the other guy being Jerome Hughes. Uh, at 700k too, like, it sounds heaps. Like, I'm not prepared to do it again because I don't want to go up to him. Like, trading Sam Walker to that hurts me too much. Like, that's too much money to pay for a 73 average to go up. But if you've got Nathan... Cleary, if you're committed to making that trade, you're making so much money by doing that, that that then becomes quite worth it. Because if he was to get 100 this week and then back it up with, you know, a good score next week and Cleary doesn't play either of them and you've used that 300 to bump someone else, that's pretty handy. That's a pretty good bit of business if you're then using that 3, 350 to bring in, you know, uh, Pangai, or I know you've got him, but just in the abstract, bringing a Pangai or Madison or, or whoever it might be this week, that's huge. Well, it's almost 400,000. Like, isn't it insane? Like, yeah. You're talking yeah. about buying a guy for 700, trading another guy to him and yeah. making almost 400,000. Yeah. Like, it's insane. I do have to throw up a pod on Mitchell Moses as an option. Mm. Um, of course you do. And <laughs> I, I've, I've always maintained, I've had to defend myself many times, I've never said that Moses is a great player. I've never said that he's a guy that you, you, know, you want to have in your team all the time. He's a runs player. You know, if you can get him for a run, you might go, okay. He's 500,000. Um, the Eels draw is very appealing of Newcastle Tigers Bulldogs in the next three weeks. Uh, before the last two weeks where Moses has gone 49-32, Moses went actually very, very well for a couple of months, really. Um, but he, he goes badly when Parramatta lose, you know, and that's happened the last two weeks. Mm. Before the last two weeks, he went 91-70, 51-79-87. So, I mean, if somebody didn't have the money for a Jerome Hughes, you could say, well, 7% of selections for Mitchell Moses, goal-kicking against those three opposition the next three weeks, he's 200000 less than only 500 k Now, if you could afford to trade him out again, then maybe he's a bit of a pottish run for a few weeks. I'd take Hunt over him at the price. Um, I think Hunt's the one over him I would prefer. And look, the problem with Moses, I don't mind Moses in real life, but he's just too unpredictable. Like, if you look yep. at this year, he got a 55 in the round one be the Broncos. He got a 51 be the West Tigers. He got a 37 be St. George. So, like, there's this sense that you can't really pick him because it, he does have runs, but they don't always correlate. Like, he just got a 90. Like, he got his, his run of 51, 70, 91 was against the Bulldogs, the Roosters, and the Warriors, and the lowest score was the Bulldogs. And he did better against the Roosters and really well against New Zealand, who are actually playing quite well and quite a bit better than St. George and the Tigers and, and the Bulldogs, who he couldn't put big numbers on. So it just sometimes... You look at this, and he'll have a really big game in here sometimes, but he's really not that pickable. It's not as simple as picking the low teams and saying he's going to bully them. Like a guy like Gareth Widdop used to be pretty reliably say he was going to absolutely belt the bottom four teams and then go crap against everyone else. So you could really draw pick him. But Moses is just a, a bit flighty. Yeah, I, not for me. I, I've got Cleary and Walker, and I'm, I'm going to die on that hill. But you've talked me around on Hughes a little bit. If I was going to trade 
Cleary at a bit of Hughes and, and you know, Walker to Hughes isn't a bad trade. I'll admit that. I'm not going to do it, but I, I, it's pretty handy. Yeah, I, I think I would take Hunt ahead of Moses as well if I wanted to pod. Yep. So um, I'm with you on that one. 5'8". What a phenomenal position it is. Now, we've only got one player to rank here, Luke, so mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not sure where no. you're going to put them. But Adam Dewey is actually the number one overall last. 5'8". I'm putting him last. He's <laughs> number one overall, best in yeah, the game at yeah, 6. Yeah. 76.4 points per game. And Cameron Munster is second at 73.6. And this week, um, Matt Burton is the best available 6 behind Adam Dewey. And he's a full 13 points below mm. where Adam Dewey is. Now, there is no argument, I think, that anyone can make that he's not the best six to, to have this week. I guess the thing that will come up with him, Luke, is not his average. But one thing that people aren't bringing up enough is he scored pretty well at centre wing and maybe he's turned a corner. I, I was actually telling people that were asking me, yeah, I think you should buy him. Yes, I think you should buy him. Hey, Adam Dewey's a good pod if you need him. Um, when they're mm. asking me questions, up until he got moved to centre. And then I actually said, actually, I'd hold off at his price because I love owning him, and I bought him a couple of months ago now, but I, I would not be able to buy him mm. at centre because he hasn't scored well at centre before. He doesn't get enough ball, and we've seen that happen in the last couple of weeks. He still managed to score really well. So the question comes in, Luke. He is a guy that has been scoring big tonnes, but he's 690,000. Only 7% of teams have managed to get on him, which is one of the good things a couple of months ago because he was going to go up in price a lot. And the last three weeks, he's still gone 83, 45, and 114. And that 114 was at centre as well. So is he someone that you should be considering? He's got two tonnes out of his last four. Or do you sort of think that, no, that's the Tigers, I don't trust him? and they don't have the best draw coming up after the Panthers because they then hit Para and Melbourne and then South. This won't surprise you. My answer is that you should not consider him. Um, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll, look, Adam Dewey's been... He's played good this year. I thought he was quite good at 5'8". Um, he's won me over a little bit. He's an NRL, he's an NRL standard 5'8", which is higher than you would have heard me say last year. Uh, he's got a nice kicking game, and he's a good... Uh, he's pushes Boston's team around well and and, and does some organising. Um, the first thing I would say is that I know not with that draw because he's playing centre and um, forget what he scored already and just go who do centre wings score well against. Okay, bad teams. All right, he's got Penrith with some players out. I don't think Penrith will be terrible. I think the ti- I'm going to tip the Tigers, but not overly confidently. Um, I think they should win that game, but I don't think they're going to win 40 to 10. Uh, and they're then going to hit Parramatta, uh, Melbourne and Souths. Um, Parra a bit off at the moment, but Parramatta are, are a, a top six team. Parramatta lose to teams that are better than them. They don't really lose a lot to teams lower than them. They're a ceiling team that beats everyone lower on the ladder and gets belted by the top side. So I think they'll handle the Tigers and then Melbourne and South Sydney. So to me, that's about as tough as the draw can get for them. And I'd like to delve a little bit into his centre numbers here because he's only played there three weeks. He's got 24 points in goals, 20 points in goals and 20 points in goals in that time. It's a lot of points in goals. Um, Love it. Penrith, yeah. <laughs> Penrith, Parramatta, and Melbourne and South. I'm not tipping 20 average in goals a week. Um, v New Zealand, without the 20 in goals, he would have scored 25 um, in that game. Uh, and V the Knights, he got, you know, two tries and a try assist. 
in that with a lime with, yep. with a lime break. No, that's and a lime he's, break. A, he's an attacking yeah. weapon. Yeah. Well, he's an attacking well, weapon. Well, Come we'll on. hear it. I, you know, <laughs> he, he took two tries and a try assist, and then he got a try assist against St George with a, and a lime break and a lime break assist. I personally think we've seen enough of him at centre before to say that he's not usually that good at centre, and those two games might be slightly overs. Um, I don't think he's. I'm not saying he's going to average 20 there, but you know, the Warriors game where he got 25, bar the 20 in goals, is probably you know a bit more realistic. I, I'd be surprised if he gets near his average. If he stays at centre for the rest of the year, I do not think he's going to keep averaging what he's priced at or what he's averaged thus far. And if he, if I'm wrong and he does, I still don't think he'll do it in the next three weeks, which is when you need him to do it. Yeah, I'm. Um, so everyone knows as well, like me and Luke having a bit of laugh at Adam Dewey because I've said for a couple of years I really like the look of him as a footy player. He just sort of needs a position and a team to believe in. And Luke's kind of been the opposite and not not been a fan at all or thought he should be in the NRL. So I've, I've been able to gloat a little bit this yeah. year, but the last two years yeah, I haven't he's, been to... he's going well. Humble player where it's due. He's playing. He's been playing good footy at, at 5'8". I actually don't know why they moved him. No, I, I really <laughs> like him at 6. I think he's, it's his best position. Look, I, I, I half agree with Luke. I... It would be very hard to buy him this week. I, I think, I do think that he will go well this week. I think that he's going to score points this week. I think he's got potential to go big, um, and I'm really happy that I own him. If I didn't own him, I would be really worried about buying him because he's going to play Power and Melbourne Souths, and then he's going to have a buy that he's going to have off before he goes into a good run. As an owner, though, what I will say is I'm really happy to have him for this week because I can easily have him as my backup six, not play against Para, Melbourne and Souths. And then I'm happy to have him for the rest because the Tigers draw from round 18 is amazing. They play the Broncos, Manly, Warriors, Bulldogs, Cowboys, Sharks, Penrith, Bulldogs again. So you've got two games against the last place team, Bulldogs, from round 18 onwards. You've got the Broncos in there as well to give up a lot of points to guys like Dewey. So... If you're look, if you if you're set for the buy, Luke, what I would say is if, if you've got the cash and you can do it, you could get Adam Dewey in, knowing that he's going to go bad for a few weeks. If you view him as a season keeper, and then just then just plug him from round 18 onwards and start playing him again, um, that's an option for a very select amount of teams potentially. If you're looking at buying, yeah, maybe. So I, I wouldn't be bringing him in at 690k and benching him, but yeah. I guess if you were extremely set and loaded for cash, you might look at it. Yeah, I mean, as owners, I'm not going to sell him. But um, yeah, it's it's a bit of a hard buy for this week with that draw. If it was a better draw after it, I'd be spruiking Adam Dewey. But I can't do it. If he was moved to six, it would be easier. And he's not. He's at centre. So it's a little bit harder. But mm. phenomenal season. If you got on him, well done. Just, just hold and ride like I'm going to do. But centre wing, Luke, there is a plethora of options um, there's obviously Nico Hines has, has rocketed to be one of the best buys that you could have the last few weeks. Very glad that I sent out the tweet after I recorded the last podcast to a couple of weeks ago to actually renege on what I said on the podcast a little bit and say people should buy him because <laughs> I would have looked very silly otherwise. But um, he's he's obviously absolutely killing it at the moment. Now, the other guys, are Nofo, Sivo and Crichton, as far as the gun, gunnish sort of guys that you could look at. And then we've got a couple of pods to talk about. But let's just talk about Hines straight away. You know, he's now averaging 83.6 for the season. And that includes games where he was benched um, and scoring 10 and 15 points and stuff. And it's still 
puts him as the number two centre wing technically, but that's only because Matt Fiagai has only played two, has only played one game and scored 89. So really, Nico Hines is the best centre wing you can have by a margin of eight points, including games he's been off the bench doing 15 or 20 points. That's how insanely well he has gone. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say we can talk about the other guys as buyers, uh, but Hines should be your number one target. I don't care about the price tag. Uh, the fact that Pappenhausen could be out for another three, four weeks even. Um, but just the amount of points he could score this week, Luke, would you agree that it's you know it's worth paying the money, even though it's a lot of money, just to get him in at the potential that he's going to go another 180 points? Oh, you probably have to. Yeah, it sucks, and you should feel bad about it, but you probably have to. Um, he Buy rounds are really critical because you just can't catch up. You can't make it up elsewhere with other numbers. Um, it's different to full rounds. In a full round, you might be able to, you know, you don't buy Nico Hines, but you buy someone else with that big, massive ceiling and grab that pod that's cheaper and try and catch up a different way. But in a buy round, there's only X amount of players playing that can go that big. Um, and he's a very, honestly, if you look through who you could captain this week, he's not that many of them. And, and he's the one that you'd be looking at for you to, to VC or C, the free VC or C. So yeah, I, I think you probably have to this week and yeah, it, it Swallow your pride and do it. Um, you still make some money and you'll be able to get him out for someone in a week or two if you have to, and hopefully you'll have him for a month. He's gone 156, 138, 182 the last three weeks mm. in a row. Now, he's he's the number one high upside guy for this round. So he's he's the yep. guy with the most potential to give you the biggest score. He's the guy that can get close to a 200 score. Nobody else can do it this buy round. So if you don't have that, you're going to be in big trouble. So I, I would say out of any position... Hines is a guy to get in. He's also got a 28 BE, right? So if he just goes like, say, 110, just a casual low ton, lower score for a month, <laughs> um, he's still, even if Pap comes back next week, going to make money next week, and you're still going to squeeze almost 100K profit in two weeks before you have to trade him. So it's, it, you can't really lose with it, can you? Not really. And if Pap comes back next week, I suspect he'll play 5-8 because I don't think Munster will back up with his foot. Like, he's been yep. out, and he was in touch-and-go to play Origin. I suspect you'll get Hines at 5'8", and that might not be amazing, but he'll still be playing 5'8", be like New Zealand and maybe the Tigers. So if Paps come, like they actually need Paps and Munster to come back, I reckon, to get him out of the team. Yeah, uh, I agree. Um, other guys to consider if you've already got Hines. There's Nofo, Sivo, and Crichton. Now, we'll say with Crichton, one of the things that he does is pick up the goal-kicking in the buy round. So, you know, playing against the Tigers, you'd expect him to get a few kicks at goal. Hopefully he makes them. He's actually been quietly doing pretty well. I bought him pretty cheap, 400k, um, a month or so ago. And Crichton's been actually scoring quite well. Sevo has been a lot more solid lately. Um, Three-round average in the 60s. Uh, not getting the big scores that he was before, but when you're talking about the big tons, he's got back-to-back tons, including 144 that he scored. So he's obviously got that. Nofo hasn't had the big scores in him, but has been really solid um, with his you know, floor like he always is. So out of those guys, Luke, how do you, how do you feel about them rankings-wise on who you'd be most interested in to least? Um, I am not particularly keen on any of them. Uh, Nofo's going all right, but he scored a try the last three weeks and hasn't cracked a 70, and that concerns me because you buy a Nofo looking for the base. And it's not huge at the moment. You're begging him to score, and he's got a Penrith-Parramatta-Melbourne run. 
Um, so he might go okay for you this week, but I just don't think uh, Parramatta, Melbourne, South. So I just don't think you're going to want him uh, the weeks afterwards. That's my concern with Tigers players. Because um, yeah. I actually looked at the other end of the scale briefly because James Roberts got 88 or whatever last week at 230K. And I had a look at him and went, oh, you know what? You could plug him in as a downgrade and make some money and you'll probably be selling him for 350, if he goes over again. But I looked at this drawer and it's the same thing that scares me with Nofo. I'm like, they could be dropping, you know, Nofo will drop a 30 could drop two or three thirties in there, and James Roberts drops a ten, like because if, if they don't score, so like there's, I, they, they their draw really worries me. Sivo's the sort of player who should really put a few on Newcastle, um, but that price is a bit much for me at five. You want to get on Sivo when he's four hundred or three eighty because it happens all every season. One of the good things with Sivo, I'll just point out for you. That, mm. uh, let's just put a line through Nofo because I agree with everything that you said. Um, Sevo and Crichton have a couple of things going for them. The Sevo draw we've spoken about already, Newcastle, Tigers, and Bulldogs. The Bulldogs is the team that he threw 99 on in round eight, and he did it pretty easily, and he looked like he could have scored more. I think he bombed another try that would have put him at like 130, and that's coming up. Um, the Tigers is a decent run as well in round 14, and obviously the Knights this week, and the Knights are pretty depleted. So, And he is a guy that put up, I said 144, he actually got updated to 157. That's his season high. So he's obviously got the big scores. Uh, with Crichton, I need to mention that he's probably got two weeks of goal kicking for a start, but the last month of footy, he's gone 123, 85, 35, and 86. And the 123 that I mentioned in round nine, is against the Sharks, and he's playing them next week where he's going to have the goal kicking as well. So I think both of those guys have got some draw upside for a few weeks. No foe, I don't think has. No, I wouldn't consider him. Crichton, I, the, the, Crichton's getting shuffled a bit much for me because he ends up at fullback at the moment, but then Dylan Edwards is close. So if Dylan Edwards comes is back in, then you get you know him going to right centre or left centre if Burton's in the halves, but then he goes to like right centre when... Burton goes back to the centres. So you're getting, it's hard to know when you target draws where he's going to be playing, um, particularly if you then get Cleary and Luai. If one of them's missing, he should sh- shuffle back to left centre um, into Burton's spot. And that, I don't know, I know he can score well in any of those spots. So it just makes it hard to buy a guy when you don't even know which. You can't target matchups as well when you're like, he might be at fullback or he might be at right centre or he might be at left centre and it'll probably change on game day because they'll probably name Cleary and Luai some weeks and then pull them out and that'll move Burton in. And uh, that gets a bit hard for me. Um, Sivo, I will just point out that the Cowboys, sorry, I can't remember his name, but the Cowboys young winger, Got a hat trick on the Knights. Tulagi. Yeah, Tulagi got a hat trick on on the Knights on the left wing a couple of weeks ago. Um, there've been a lot of tries scored down that side. Um, I Garrick didn't score this week, but um, Brad Parker did unmarked. Um, they went through on that side, and Parker went in with Garrick unmarked on his outside. So the only reason they didn't score was because they had a two man overlap, not a one man. Um, they've had a lot of defensive issues down that edge, no matter who defends there. Um, that's been... You can tell against Manly too, though. Manly yeah. were targeting that side. Yeah, the, the Knights have had a lot of trouble there, and it's causing a lot of angst amongst um, anti, the anti Tuala brigade, of which I am the president, and, and a few others. So it's... it's <laughs> yeah, they're having a little bit of a trouble over there. So I, that that is a real match-up target. If you like match-ups and you like to look at how teams defend and where they go and all that sort of thing, the Knights are getting bled there, and Sivo's a high upside player. So could be worth a go. So I reckon behind Hines, me and you probably agree on on Sevo, Crichton, Nofo. 
all pretty similar. Yeah, I think so. I, I own Brian Kelly, and he's a guy that possibly could put on the list, but I think the Titans are going too bad at the moment to chuck him on when he has Melbourne and then the Roosters and then Manly. The draw now rules that out for me, to, for him to consider. I'm happy I got him. He's done, until last week, he's done pretty well for me. I got a 91 via the dogs and some 60s and stuff, but the draw probably rules that out for now. Yep, Sevo and Crichton, I think, have got the high upside and the draw to, to, yep. to maybe hit it. So I reckon that they're the two to look at. Um, Bradman Best, I'm going to just say, I've got down as a bit of a pod, but more of a discussion just quickly mm-hmm. to see how you feel about it because I, I really thought that Best was going to be a buy at some point and he just hasn't really delivered. He is only 430000 though. So there is going to be some teams like... Like we're talking about things like people have endless bankrolls or they're going to mm. get rid of guns and have heaps of money. There's going to be teams that can't do that. And if you can't do that, Bradman Best is only 430000 And he's only in 6% of teams as well. The Knights, I don't expect to go well against Parramatta, though, and I guess that's a big deal. He scored 62 and 54 the last couple of weeks, but realistically, aside from his 95 in round two, he hasn't really had any big scores at all. He's just sort of had a couple of solid scores here and there. Do you think that that's going to change? Do you think that getting him in at a value price of 4.30 this week is an option if you don't have that much money to spend on these other guys? Yeah, I do. Um, if you look at his scores, so he got a 56 with a try in the round one, but he went off the field early, didn't finish the game. The 95 was a cracker. But the next, so so cop this, 39, 65, 43, 30, 54, and 62, there are no tries or try assists in that, none. And you can say that that's not a good thing because he's in your centre wing, and that's very true. But, I mean, Jesus, it's not bad, is it? Like, there's a couple of line breaks and stuff over here, but not many. There's honestly, there's three line breaks in all of that across one, two, three, four, five, six weeks. So he he's putting himself in a position to go well when it falls his way. Newcastle have firstly been attacking really badly, and that's a bad thing for him, quite obviously. He's barely got to play with Kalen, which which has hurt. And we've played... Man, we've played we've played like six players in the halves already this year, and we're playing we've played Green, we've played Man, we've played um, Crossland, we've played Pierce, we've played, played Watson. It, it's been all over the shop, um, and week to week changes because of injuries. I've never seen anything like what Newcastle's had. Blake Green, I forgot as well. Where it's just literally been a different combination every week, un like forced and. Um, Clifford's arrived at the club this week and is intended to play and stay there. Crossland's had a few games in a row and is trying to get in the ball, but not that well. And Pierce is due back next week. So um, we'll have Pierce and Clifford in. They'll play a bit together and all things being equal. The plan is to get best the ball. And at some stage, they will hopefully do that. So I don't think it's a bad shout because he's never really let you down. Like it, it since he's got a 39 in round six, and after that, there's one time he hasn't got to 40, and that's without any big attacking stats. So I think if you don't have the money to go to those guys, you can go there going, you know what, I'm going to get a 40 in a bad scenario, and he's a good player. They're trying to get him the ball, and if they click, he's probably going to have a big game at some point because he's not playing badly. They're just not using it. They're not getting him the ball he needs because we're getting beaten, and Mm. we're not attacking well, and we're behind and losing the ruck. And they're going to have some days where they get that right. The Harbs and Kalen coming back will make a difference. I don't have him at the top of the list or anything like that. But if you at that price, if that's what you've got to spend, I wouldn't have a huge hesitation getting him. Yeah, 430K and below, I don't think there's a better option to get. And there's definitely not one with more upside. I just... I would much prefer to get the other ones because I don't think they're as risky as a play for a few weeks. That's the only problem. Agreed. Um, yep. The last pod in the centre wing, and this is the ultimate pod, I'm going to just throw out the numbers before I say the name. 
1% ownership, massive pod, three break even, you're going to make money. Uh, playing this week, the Broncos, and then after that, the Bulldogs, and then the Raiders, Warriors, and then he's got the bye, so you can have a bit of a month run against four sides that are currently out of the eight. Michaeli Ravalawa is who I'm talking about, and a lot of people will say, why are you looking at him? He's coming off scoring 136 points, and he has had a couple of low games, but they've been 27 and 36, so no real stinkers. And all the rest, you know, he's got a 30, and then the other ones are 40 pluses. So he has got the ability to go big. He put 136 points on Melbourne, and he's now going to play the Broncos and Bulldogs the next two weeks in particular. I can't see a world where Ravalawa doesn't score three tries across the next two weeks at a minimum. It wouldn't surprise me if he gets a hat-trick in one of them and a double in the other. That's the type of upside that he probably has for the next couple of weeks. And he's at 1% ownership. So I've already spoken about the Dragons draw coming up, Luke. He's 475000 so cheaper than the other gun purchases of a Nofo, Sebo or Crichton. And at 1% ownership, obviously far less owned. Uh, I'm not saying he's going to be the best centre wing in the world. I'm not saying you should keep him all year for the run, for the draw, and to try and catch ground as a 1% pod. Uh, I think that he's definitely worth having a bit of a look at. Yeah, I love him. He He's um, really good. And whoever's playing on that wing when Ben Hunt plays is money at the moment. Um, ben Hunt is running their attack down that edge and they just keep scoring tries there. Um, ben Hunt and Dufty, I should add, when Dufty is there, it makes a really big difference as well. So Dufty and Hunt love going down that way and they're setting up a lot of tries and he's a guy that doesn't need a, a saloon passage to the try line. He's a guy that he's a really mint finisher because he doesn't do the fancy stuff in the air like the others. He's just impossible to tackle. They get him on that sideline on a narrow side and he's just impossible to push out. So he takes the easy ones and then he grabs the odd hard one that someone else might not score and they're looking for him and they play well that way so I think he's a really good smoky where if you've just got that sort of money laying around and you want to take a stab maybe you don't want to pay up for Sevo or you don't quite feel comfortable with him then have a shot the other way and have a go at Mr. Ravalawa because he's pretty good I reckon he's a, not a bad shout at all he's, he's pretty much a Sevo light as well the type of game he has exactly. in fact I'm, yep. I'm surprised that he doesn't get I'm surprised he doesn't get as much talk as what Sevo gets because he is that sort of player, and he's pretty exciting. I think that if he played for someone better than the Dragons have been, he probably would have been very much the same as Sebo, as far as how people viewed him. He's got a 26 raw base, which isn't bad as well, but if he combine his raw base with his tackle breaks, he's actually more towards sort of a high 30s, and that's pretty good to go along with his try scoring, of which he has now scored eight for the year in his eight games. So he's only got two games out of eight where he scored no tries. And those are his two low scores that he's got. So there you go. Um, well, let's move on to the last tier, which is the fullbacks. And there's only two in it. And one's a massive pod. Gutho, I think that you'd agree. Like, he's another one you haven't been a huge fan of. But one of the things that's sort of um, gone by the wayside, because there's all these other great fullbacks this year that are scoring bulk points, people are kind of not notice that Gutherson's actually had a really good year. It's just that he hasn't been scoring like 200-point games. He's averaging 80.9 points. So Gutherson is the number one fullback for this buy round, uh, aside from Hines, if you consider him a fullback. He's playing the Knights, Luke. Obviously, you know, 660000 is a bit to spend, but you said yourself you, you don't think the Knights are going to go too well this week. We've already spoken about the plum draw for three weeks. If someone was going to jump off a turbo this week to get back on him later... Uh, I don't think there's any question that you'd go 
turbo to Gutherson, and then after the next few weeks, once you get to the end of Origin, you'd go Gutho back to turbo. I do see that as a as a potential trade. Obviously, Turbo's got two plum games in there that, that are a worry. But if someone was looking for a fullback this round, I, I think Gutherson presents a sort of upside that you're after against the Knights and then following on the Tigers and the Dogs afterwards. Yeah, if you're trading someone in, it needs to be Gutherson. I just wouldn't. But if you were, yes, he's the, the one I'd look at. As a pod for finishing off on the, on the players for this round... Uh, Dufty, you mentioned him just before. Mm. He's come back into the side this week, and he's only 560k, so he's a cut-price guy. He's actually averaged 68.8 points. And again, we've spoken about the Dragons' draw, but he's only 1% of teams. So, obviously a completely different, more of a shot in the dark, but he has got two tons this year of 111 and 115 points, and he's largely scored pretty well, aside from two games out of the 10 that he's played. Um how do you sort of feel about going complete smoky if you're chasing for this week, if you needed a fullback looking at someone like Dufty? Yeah, with the Broncos um, into the Bulldogs and then Canberra and then the Warriors, I reckon it's like in a vacuum a pretty good shout because he's put 115 on Paro, he's put 78 on New Zealand, 111 on the Dogs. But the thing that's going to put me off is he's coming off a shoulder injury. Um, I'm pretty sure it was his shoulder, but whatever it was, it looks. I remember I saw him do it at Magic Ground, and he looked pretty crook. Um, and he's also been told to look elsewhere for next year, and the coaches said they don't want him, and they see Ramsey as the future and everything. That sort of stuff like does affect people. Um, it can affect you in a like screw you way where you come out and play real hard, but. I, I don't know that it will with him. I, I, I'd just be, yeah, I, I, I'm not sort of getting halfway through the year and realising the coach reckons the wingers a better, the winger who's never done anything and has never looked any good in first grade apart from his first game is a better fullback than you, is not going to be filling with confidence. I would have thought he's been dicked around by McGregor a lot of times and never really given a run. And I don't think that ever helped. He wasn't really fired up by that. It seemed to affect him. And I'm just cautious of that, that I think coming back in now, he might lose that bit of confidence or even just knowing the coach likes Ramsey better and wants to move him on. I'd be worried about him getting shifted if they have a bad loss or they don't play well or something. And I'd just be minded to steer clear. I'd be keener on it if that stuff hadn't come out. Yeah, that's a really fair call. Um, I, I, Cause I, I really do like him in a vacuum. I think he's really good. <laughs> yeah, like on the field, he really is a really good smoky if you took all that out. Yeah, and like I will say, in his defence, you know, it, who hasn't been dicked around by McGregor? <laughs> it's yeah, the yeah. entire team. It's, they're, they're crazy. I don't know what they're doing there, seriously. I mean, it's, I would suggest that he's their only good player in the back line. But well, anyway. the Broncos are pretty close <laughs> to giving up a ton to opposing fullbacks. So uh, if you like some stats, that's a good one to think about if you want to go for a cheaper option at fullback and you need one. Let's move on very quickly for our VC and Cs to finish off the podcast. First game, Dragons vs Broncos. Uh, I think there isn't a huge amount of options here, but if you're going to get Hunt in, uh, I don't mind him as a VC. It is a revenge game and it is a jubilee as well. And he is going to like to stick it up the Broncos. And I think that he is going to like to show as well to the, the Queensland Origin camp that maybe he should have been in that squad. So as a VC option, you know, he could throw up 120 against the Broncos, I reckon. Yep. Him him, and uh, in that game, him and Pangai, I reckon, are really solid for, for VCs to try and get 100. Top sport better the week in this one. $1.45 for the Dragons. I, I really am surprised that they're $1.45. I think that they'll do a job pretty easily on the Broncos. Um, but 
the other one is I mentioned Ravalawa, dollar sixty three for him to score any time just once. Yeah, that's gold. I'm all over those ones on top sport. The second game of the four for the buy round, Tigers versus Penrith Panthers. This one's really interesting, Luke, because a lot of people are going to have a lot of players from, from the Panthers, and there's a few from the Tigers as well. Obviously, I need to talk about you know a VC on someone like an Adam Dewey. I don't think you're going to see anyone in this, but you know a, a lot of smoky talk on, on maybe a Matt Burton or something like that from the Penrith Panthers or even a Stephen Crichton with his goal kicking. Do you, do you like any of those ones for this game, or would you just steer clear of it? No, I'd steer clear of it. I don't think we know enough about that game to... Or we don't know enough about how Penrith will play with that amount of players out to burn a BC, keeping in mind it's free. It's not just a stab in the dark this week. You have two shots at your captaincy. Yep. Unless you, by miracle, got 18 players, in which case you, you're not... I would suggest you're not playing that well. <laughs> <laughs> um, I seriously say... Um, yeah, if, you've, if you're... It's a free shot at a VC, so I'm not burning an actual free look at my captain on that game on any of those players. Yeah, I tend to agree as well. Yeah. Uh, top spot better of the week for this one. If you're looking at long odds bets, I reckon the Tigers have a chance against the Panthers this week at Leichhardt Oval, $2.60. Those are massive odds. Really like it. I reckon that's a good, um, smoky, outsider, underdog bet to go for. With the Storm and Gold Coast as the second-last game of the round, um, this one has a lot more options in it. Now, you've obviously got the option of Nico Hines. You can just you can VC him if you've got someone in the next game, or he's a straight-C option for sure in this one. Um, obviously, if you don't have Hines and you have Jerome Hughes, though, he seems like a decent VC option as well if you've got someone in the next game, although I wouldn't be as confident with the C Luke on a Hughes compared to a Hines. Yeah, I think um, whilst there is a lot of options in the game, there's only one option if you own Nico Hines. You need to have the vice-captain on him or the captaincy if you've blown it on, on Pangai Hunt or someone earlier. Yeah, you've got to get a piece of Hines this week. Yep. There is no way that you can not have a VC or C on him. It's got to be one of the two. Uh, for the top spot bet of the week, well, Melbourne's paying a dollar ten against the Titans. That's how bad the Titans are looking. Um, I have to say, Nico Hines hasn't scored very many tries, but dollar eighty this week. I think it's a week that he can do it, and that's pretty good, pretty good money. But Jerome Hughes scores a lot of tries for the Storm, and it largely gets unnoticed. And he's paying two dollars forty eight. If you want a bit of a smoky, really like that one as well, mate. The last game of the round, and it is a short round, which really sucks for our, you know the football mm-hmm. fanatics like me and you. But it is your Newcastle Knights against the Parramatta Eels? Who? Who do you like for this one as a C? You said that you're not very confident about your Knights. Could somebody go the, the VC on Hines and the C in Gutho? That's something I'm looking at, so I'm interested in your feedback on this final game. Yeah, that or Papalihi, because um, the Knights are leaky on the edges. So um, it, sometimes it gets a bit wider than the second rower, and it tends to be the centre wingers. But I think if you've got an, uh, I like an edge player, um, I'm pretty keen on Hines because I think I'll be taking Hines anyway. So um, I'm pretty keen on, I, I like to VC Hines because I think a lot of people will captain him. And I like the hedge that if he did go really badly, that I, ha- I have the option of bailing out um, with him being, you know, later in the weekend, if that makes sense. I really like the idea of a VC so that a lot of people go VC early, see Hines. And if he's stuffed up, I've got a free shot. Um, so I want to keep this open for the last game. And I, if I had Gutho, I'd ch- chuck it on him. I don't. Um, so I really like the look of an IPAP or a Matto um, in there to, to jump onto. And um, mainly IPAP, because I think the ceiling seems bigger at the moment. And see, I, I reckon they'll find him difficult to handle on the edge there. Um, with Tyson Frizzell out as well, that's who where he would be marking up on. 
Um, so I think he'll be marking up on if, if they he'll be marking Brody Jones unless they shift um, Fitz and and Barney onto the edges in a late change. He'll be marking Brody Jones, and I think they'll like that matchup, Parramatta. Yeah, I really like this one for Parramatta. Top Sport have them at minus eleven and a half for the line, dollar eighty five. So if you're talking about best odds in market, that's a great line. I I can't see Parramatta not winning by twelve points plus, and you're getting a dollar eighty five for that. Likewise, to finish up, Sevo as any time try scorer. Uh, like Luke said, those edges, I I really like the night the Knights to give up some tries there. Sevo's a dollar sixty five. You you won't find better than that anywhere else. Luke, that's the podcast, mate. I really appreciate you coming on. You've always got a lot of knowledge to drop and a lot to talk about with footy, and I really enjoy it. It does mean that we always go over time, though. <laughs> yeah, we're shocking. I'm <laughs> sorry about that. We do three in a week. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. No, the, the Rugby League Cemetery, it'll rear its head again soon when they're not as busy, but um, get onto it. Luke's, Luke's podcast, he jumps on with that every, t- every now and then. He's fantastic to look at some old games and stuff as well, and... We'll get you back on board again, Luke, and we can chat about the Knights and see how they're going a little bit later on. Yeah, we'll give that bit a miss, but I look forward to coming on and talking to you, Coach. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. You can uh, download or subscribe or stream on iTunes, also SoundCloud and Spotify. Find us on all those sites, uh, as well as that. Do find us on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. Give us a follow on there to keep up to date with everything. Top Sport promo code for those that ask SC All Stars. Pop that in. They'll take good care of you on all those great bets. But this is the buy round. This is Origin. It's all happening. Great week of footy coming up. It'll be a much bigger podcast for next week after we can see whether the mighty New South Wales Blues smack the Queenslanders or whether I'll be really upset and not want to do a podcast next week. We'll have to wait and tune in then. Thanks, guys. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on. Go play.